0: Georgia, and we are live on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. Our guest tonight is Marcus Eaton. Woo!
1: Woo Marcus, earn your money here.
2: Here we go. Here we go.
3: talking about. Look at this guy. You, when, when I saw you with Jeff Young, you're standing on the stage next to Danielle DeAndrea, who mm-hmm. I love madly, who just uh, blew my house oh, down. Oh, she's amazing. Oh my God. But anyway, you guys are standing there and I'm like, I'm Peg, who's watching. I'm like, Peg, look at that guy. He looks like a football player. You do. Like, you don't look like a guitarist, but Thank you. you play like one. And <laughs> There's so many influences that I got there. Like yeah. I, I hear a little sting, I hear Ed mm-hmm. Sheeran, I hear John May I like hear all these things. Yeah. Um, but you're so you and I love that song. So so where where can everybody get that song? Um you can I want that song. Yeah, you
2: can find it on Spotify, iTunes. What's it uh, called? It's called Better Way. And and a- actually it's sort of the title track of my last album, which was uh the the album is called Versions of the Truth. Okay. So the, the title comes from that track. I love the title, Um, it's
3: very provocative, because Versions of the Truth is what I would say about every man I've ever spoken to, the Versions of the Truth, was that love-based?
2: No, actually it's politics, you know, two versions of the truth lead you astray, you know, and it's Mm. about the two different, you know, uh, two different stories that you're hearing all the time, you know, you watch the media and it's like two, the same event can happen, but where is the truth? You know, somebody's always telling you. I know that the idiot in
3: chief is not telling it.
2: No, ever. His version of the
3: truth is never the truth. No. Um, And I just want to say, um, I'm a little before. This is Yom Kippur. It's the highest holy day. (laughs) I am i am a Hebrew, and I am breaking all Jewish tradition. But I am happy. Marcus made me the best coffee, and I don't know if you can see it here, but it is in a little skull, and it is delectable.
2: That That is really good coffee. It's really I'm good. I'm going to give a shout-out. Cafe Lux. That, that is the best. Those are the best beans I've ever had. It is really fine. Roasted in L.A.
3: And he, Marcus has an incredible espresso machine in, in the mm-hmm. other room. And it is very... <laughs> I'm going to be flying tonight. Um, And I just saw my friend Ricky Bird is on. Ricky... um, oh. you know Ricky? No. Ricky, That's uh, okay. guitarist Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, in the Rock oh. and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Watching... Okay. Congrats. You're... Marcus did some strumming at Jeff's show that was the fastest <laughs> strumming I have ever seen over the longest period of time. But I mean, even David Crosby says that you play like God on a good day, um, which is crazy. Yeah. But you uh, it, So, and and what kind of guitar is this? Cause there's, this
2: is actually, okay, this is a guitar that was handmade by a friend of mine named Roy McAllister. He's a friend of mine now, but uh, Crosby had one of these made for me. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's it's made by one luthier who now lives up in Gig Harbor, Washington. Wait, what's his
3: name?
2: Roy McAllister. Roy McAllister. But the cool part is, this is actually my signature model. So he's he's selling these, and they have my name inside of the guitar. So this is a Marcus Eaton signature guitar. Stop! This is the first one. So I mean, I didn't know he was going to do that. So this is all. This is an amazing guitar. It is gorgeous. mahogany. German spruce top, I mean, it's... it's it
3: sounds phenomenal. Did, yeah. did he have it made for you because you were admiring his? He or? had,
2: yes. He had one made for me. It wasn't this one. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had another one made for me, so I'm, I'm very fortunate. But, but the one that he made wasn't really for my style. It was for something a little bit different. And How he, so? Well, the, the way that he braces the tops, was mm-hmm. made for somebody that does a lot of finger style, which I do. Uh-huh. But he looked at at it and then he saw me play and we spent some time together. He was the guy that took me to Italy the first time. I went with Roy McAllister. And so after he spent like a week with me, he goes, you know, I would have built you a different guitar if I'd seen everything that you do because you play a lot of different styles. And I said, yeah, I I understand that. And he said, and by the way, you know, if I have to replace the top on that first guitar, we may have to do that in the future because the strings I use are heavier. So eventually Uh things get out of whack. Wow. But anyway, that's a wonderful guitar. It was like the, one of the best gifts anybody could ever get, and Crosby totally surprised me by getting me that guitar. And I was like, oh my! I mean, I was just shocked.
3: Like I'm imagining, these so, are on the pricey side. Yeah, yeah
2: I mean, on the the, side. they they are, but but relatively speaking, um, they're they're worth re- Oh, absolutely.
3: And so, and you <laughs> are an acoustic guitarist. I mean, that is your thing, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I play electric too, but I just there's something about acoustic that's just so. Real to me, and it's so percussive, and the sounds emanating from the guitar—you know, you're not playing through an amp. Right. This is the sound is coming right here. You know, it's it's analog. It's cool.
3: So even it's (laughs) analog. Yeah. (laughs) You're old school. Yeah. I I don't know how old you are. I don't have a a clue. Yeah,
2: that's good. uh,
3: So, and i I don't know that I'm. I said I can ask you anything, and you said yeah, but I don't think I'll ask you that. Okay. You can offer if you want. Yeah. I was born um, in the
2: '80s. God damn. You know.
3: Yeah this shirt was worn in the end of the bus, but it could have been <laughs> yeah um so yeah when you were playing with Jeff everybody yeah. was electric except you
2: yes pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah. so
3: it adds but it, it it's interesting how that works because mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that would work necessarily with an electric band. no not you. i mean
2: it's kind of still rare to see somebody kind of sort of fronting a, a project with acoustic but you know i when i play live when I'm not playing with those other guys, I mean I'm doing a lot of looping stuff and I'm doing a lot of percussion on the guitar and all of this. Mm. So that's that's the the thing you kind of have to see, you know. But it it makes sense, you know. Electric, I love electric, I love playing it, but it doesn't make sense to me solo. And I noticed you yeah. did the
3: shake of the guitar at the end. Our friend Snuffy Walden oh, does yeah. that, oh, does yeah. the guitar yeah, that, I like that way. Yeah. 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 And bend neck ah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it all. Okay, so. So, all right, let's, I, I want to like a a, a a, acknowledge, drink. have a drink. I want to yeah. acknowledge that. Okay, so did you tell people that's oh. on on Versions of the Truth and people can get that on your website My as website. well as on CD Baby and all that stuff? Yeah, everywhere. Okay, so Mary, Mary Ellen said, so awesome. I agree. Hi, Peg. Peg Thank and you. I saw you live. Peg, we saw Marcus live. You were with me. Yeah, I, um, remember. I remember. And Lorraine you. is here. Hi, Rick. Hey, Ricky um well, Shana Tofa. <laughs> to all my jewish friends hi linda hi micro um another nice session yeah hi rick okay rick smokey by the yeah. way if you ever need um you have a new cd coming out right yeah yeah have you already done the pressing and the liner notes and all that stuff
2: i have not well some of it I'll okay well, you. if you haven't done yeah. it all yeah
3: my printer rick smokey
2: oh, okay it's- straight up serious okay. he's in,
3: he quick impressions in chicago he oh, made my tissue boxes he made yes. all my stuff but he has never charged an artist to Whoa. do their printing oh my god and he will d- no one ever takes rick up on this and he means it so if you need liner wow. notes if you need posters for anything if you need oh business, anything you need wow. rick will take care of you and it'll be his pleasure and especially now yeah. that he's heard you play he's gonna reveal wow so that's awesome rick Marcus is one degree from... He's a Jackson brand. He loves Jackson. Oh, yes. So he loves Jeffrey Young, and Marcus plays (laughs) with Jeffrey, so... There you nice. go, one degree away. Anyway, Rick will take care of you. And for all of you out there, he'll also take care of you. Rick Smokey, yeah. Quick Impressions of Chicago and my hairdresser. I don't have my fuck off hairspray today. I'm sorry. Oh, I like New Nicole the, Venables, but it's called fuck off. I like what? this. I like this. Wait, what do you like him? I have to put my glasses on. Has he ever played Stairway to Heaven on that guitar? guitar. <laughs> I, I guess he is now. LaShoto Bola. Hi Christopher Cilio. Michael Jensen, Robert. Oh Michael um, Jensen.
2: what's up, Michael? Do you know Michael? Yes. Look
3: at all the love you're getting. Hey Michael. Um and uh hi hi everybody. I I, I feel a little guilty as the Jew sitting here on Yom <laughs> Kippur. But it's over now. It's after seven oh seven, so good yontif and all of that. Um go blow the chauffeur. I already did, thank you. No. So anyway, okay, so so Marcus, yes. Let's let's know about you. So okay. Idaho. Yes. Where's what Idaho how is it music in Idaho?
2: Well, it's interesting. My dad is a, singer-songwriter, a singer songwriter. A singer songwriter. Yeah, and he he's actually a pretty well known songwriter. He he oh. wrote the, one of the last hits that the Carpenters had.
3: Stop what?
2: Yeah, all you get from love is a love song, and then he wrote a you know couple song. Yeah. Wait wrote a minute. A, yeah, wrote a song on um on. So your father's
3: it? like my age or younger, probably. Oh my god, this is so yeah, sad. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a youngin. Okay.
2: Um, but then he wrote um. Another song called "Ragdoll" that's on the Art Gar- Garfunkel Breakaway album, and also on Glenn Cam- Campbell's album. And Wait a minute, how is yeah. he
3: doing this from Idaho?
2: Well, he he came down here like in the '70s, mm-hmm. and he got signed. He had a band called Fat Chance, and they were signed to a record deal. And then, you know, through that, he met his the guy that was managing him for a long time. And they, was he
3: an acoustic guitar? Is he an acoustic? Guitar yeah, guitar? I mean, yes? he's
2: kind of like a jack of all trades. He's a really great pianist, really mm-hmm. great singer but really great songwriter and and guitarist and he's you know he's kind of plays it all and has
3: he made his living as a as a musician
2: yeah yeah in idaho well he was down here for a long time and then he wrote these songs Mm -hmm. and i mean that's back when like getting a hit song you could actually meant something yeah and so that because it
3: sold record vinyl
2: it's still selling that's the thing it's still on the on the carpenter's greatest hits album that's crazy so he did really well and so he's he's still doing his his thing. So I grew up around him, and then my gran- his parents were opera singers, and then on my other side, on my mom's side, which is the Italian side of the family, my my grandfather was really musical, and so I mean, there's music everywhere in my family. So wow. I grew up around that. And I, so
3: when did you did you start on on piano?
2: Yeah, I started my my his my dad's mom mm-hmm. that they were the opera singers, so I le- started learning piano. But does his, your mother sing? Yeah, she sings for fun. You know, mm-hmm. she's kind of. Think she's sort of embarrassed to sing mm. um, but she's she's still musical mm. you know that's the thing but um,
3: both her parents are opera singers
2: no, that was my dad's Oh, wait, my dad's uh, okay. I'm mom's parents, yeah, they, my my mom's dad was, like, he played accordion and he played guitar. And Pete's
3: crazy. dad plays accordion. Really?
2: First accordion soloist in the military, it was Wow. Played.
3: Yeah, like serious accordion. Bravo, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> that was my dad's first album, or first, first instrument, excuse me, was accordion. Yeah. Yeah, because his this parents were like, oh, I love Lawrence Welk, you know, so they... <laughs> And they made him play the accordion, and he hated you're
3: getting it. You're getting so much love. Look at all this love you're getting. You're getting so much
2: love. Well, <laughs> that's, that's when he mentioned accordion. That's oh, funny. yeah. He got, People, he love got accordion. People love accordion. People love accordion. Yeah. So, so anyway, I grew up around all this music, and I just, as soon as I played guitar, I mean, I, I saw my dad playing guitar. I was like, That is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. You know, I just loved it. I don't. No, wait. Were you, you taking?
3: Music lessons, or were no. you just, you were just playing?
2: No, I just, and then I... Even piano, to...
3: you just started playing?
2: Yeah, my grandma was teaching me some, like, you mm-hmm. know, Somewhere Over the Rainbow and stuff like that, you know, some stuff that I wanted to learn and just some chords and stuff, but... So, so wait, there's... how
3: old were you when you, start so you
2: started So I started screwing with my dad's guitar, like, mm-hmm. opening the case and playing it when I was about eight, and my mom noticed that I was really into it, so they got me a guitar when I was nine, and, like, that was it. Like, I just went, and they got it for me for Christmas, and I just like ran off with it you know but it was weird because I already felt like I knew how to do it you know so, I was
3: going to ask you about that yeah. so like pitch you've got that going on naturally yeah. and all yeah. that stuff
2: yeah it's just one of these things that was kind of innate and it's kind of like I don't know I, so I mean, you grew
3: up in the 80s what what um, I interrupted you wait no, what are you going to no, say okay.
2: no I just I just felt See, like this it, is is a sol- yeah. <laughs> it was your fault yeah like look a, at
1: the dimple <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was like a soul level thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where I just felt like, yeah, I've played this before, and I just knew how to do it. In fact, I I went to my dad, like, Mm -hmm. literally later in the day, and I was getting really frustrated Mm because I couldn't do this finger-picking thing, and I started getting really frustrated, like, where I was going to cry, and my dad's like, hey, man, you know, this takes a while, and I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, this takes people years sometimes, and I was like. I mean, I just thought it should be like really. Well, patience fast. isn't
3: exactly a kid's best yeah. friend. No,
2: but it just—I but I had the ability to play. Like I knew all these. Do you?
3: Okay, uh, so let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in that? Because I do. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that um, we know things because mm-hmm. we've done them before?
2: Yeah, I do. I mm-hmm. think it's—I think it's a very good possibility. You know, mm-hmm. I think the soul can. You know, maybe come back and. And uh, experience things.
3: I think when um, we meet somebody and we feel like we've known them, because mm-hmm. it's because we have. Yeah. And if we pick yeah. up an instrument and we feel like we know what we're doing, it's because yeah. we know what we're doing.
2: I, I agree with you. I've, I've even talked with Crosby about that, um, about his, his sailing experience, and he told me that he just like he knew how to sail from the time he was a kid. Took okay. the boat, went out, sailed around Santa Barbara, and he was just like, yeah, I knew how to do it. I totally. So you know <laughs> yes yeah. because I, I, it fit. doesn't
3: make because it doesn't make sense otherwise no there
2: I mean, there are musicians with like skill level that are you know sixteen years old and you're like it would take ten lifetimes to learn what you're doing right Th-
3: there are actually little kids there are kids that are four years old that sit down at the piano yeah. when are virtual and yeah. there there is no possible explanation yeah. for that yeah. okay so you're so you're a kid so how are your academics if you're doing all this music
2: uh i mean i I kind of I kind of liked school. I mean, I liked to learn, that's good. but it was just—I uh, don't know. We grew up in this really small community, and it just, it's just—it's—it's stifling after a while, you know. It was very, well, wait, religious, so, very religious, very okay, so religious, really, 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 you. really LDS, you know. So LDS, it, Mormon, Mormon, very Mormon. We're in, on the side of the state we grew up on, in Idaho, okay. where we grew up. So you know, you have that, and that. Are you Mormon? No, 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 no. But we just we kind of lived in the middle of nowhere so we always did our own thing I was really into, I, I haven't told you this you don't know this but I was really into falcons so I used to train falcons so I was a falconer and wow was, did you see that yeah.
3: movie what was that movie with the falcon the falcon and the snowman Do you ever see that
2: movie uh yeah it wasn't yeah well Pat did the theme to that I um yeah, you should really see that right. I can't even remember. My side of the mountain was another one with okay. a falcon in it. I know
3: nothing about falcons. And why why were you into falcons?
2: <sighs> my dad was doing music for these films and the guy that did the films uh, Wait, I wanna I, I want to
3: show you because this, this is oh, my yeah. this is my favorite yeah. bottle. Yeah. Is this showing in the shop? Here? Oh yeah. Planet or plastic? I'm liking it. That's that from that Sun end.
2: Valley Film Festival, so they gave these out. It's really sweet. Yeah, it's very cool. Um so my, Yeah, so my dad did these, this music for these bird films, mm-hmm. and I met this guy who was like... The wait, wait, bird films. What was happening is this guy, I mean, it was kind of like Discovery Channel stuff, oh, okay. you know? but they, mm-hmm. he was filming his own, he was, had trained eagles and trained hawks and falcons, and he was working on a number of things. I mean, he did a lot of movies for Disney. Disney was filming these little things that you can find, like Ida the Offbeat Eagle, and, I lo- you yeah. are the first guest that like knows to look out at people. Everybody, we we get into this, but yeah. thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah. Look out at those people because you need to see yeah. this mm-hmm. this
3: face. That- oh, so much love so, is happening. Hi, Christina Guzman.
2: Yeah. So Ida the yeah he did these films like Ida the Offbeat Eagle and and he mm-hmm. literally got a lot of birds delisted or like they were killing them over in Europe a lot, and he stopped it from happening with his films. Wow. And he did all of this work. His name was Morley Nelson. So he was like. My, my hero when I was a kid so I met him when I was like five or six mm-hmm. and I was just like oh my god birds they're so <laughs> cool so actually now to, you know this is we're skipping around here that's alright but, all right, but this too. is going full circle now because now I'm actually somewhere I put oh yeah so I'm releasing this video in the next two weeks it's the song called Handed Down with this company I'm going to show this to you it's called The Peregrine Fund this I've been going here since I was nine Wait, what? Yeah, and I've been into these, this, this, what they're doing, and they're a conservation group, and they, you know, the peregrine falcon was actually endangered. They personally were responsible for captive breeding peregrines, and they got them off of the endangered species list. I mean, this never happens. in this Wait, country.
3: and you said that you've written something about it?
2: Well, I wrote this song called Handed Down, which I is,
3: think we have to hear it, Yeah. Well, a piece of it, no? I can
2: play, yeah, I can play it for yeah, you. Yeah, come on, give us um, a taste of that.
3: Sure. So tell us about it.
2: It's, it's an environmental song, and it's just about the world that we're handing to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so I have a music video for it, and I've partnered with the Peregrine Fund. Oh. And they're, the thing is, they're conserving land all over the world, so they're working in the rainforests. And, you know, because a lot of these raptors that I love, mm-hmm. that's where their habitat is. You know, they've been doing this for 50 years.
3: And where is this song going to be released? Uh, it'll for be, them? Or? It'll
2: be, well, it's through my, my stuff. If you follow me, you'll see it but it'll be on Facebook and Instagram. Are they and...
3: going to to use it? Yes. Yeah. As... Yep. I assume this isn't, is this not on your new? It's on the new it's, album. It is on yeah, the new so album. Yeah, so it's coming out. So tell us a little bit about the new album.
2: Oh man, the new album, it's it's cool. It's my first like uh, EP style thing. I, I don't really call it an EP. It's an album, but it's six songs.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, it's five new original songs mm-hmm. and one cover song, which I've never done on an album, but it was just, it just was kind of serendipitous. My friend was telling me to do a cover of Fragile, the Sting song. And you so have very
3: Sting-like influences, yeah, too.
2: Well, it was really cool, so I, I did it and I was like, yes, it turned out so cool, but I, I wasn't really thinking about it for the album, I just was thinking about it for some film stuff. And it just turned out that it worked really perfectly and I tagged it onto the end of the album so there's three acoustic tracks, three band tracks, recorded it all here in this. Alright, you're
3: making my head explode because yeah. now I want to hear a little bit of both of those Well no,
2: let's see, hand it down <clears throat> okay, this okay. is this is the song that is coming out soon. Symmetry Scale of
4: Dreams Bursting Sea. Gravity Still holding hands While making plans Sweet rest You tried it on before You always wanted more Make the best of what.
3: Socially uh, responsible. Yeah. Did 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 you grow, did you were you born into that? Were your parents that way? Or um, what woke you up that way, or were you God, always that it, way? I don't
2: know. I, I I think I've always been that way. It's weird, but I think also growing up where we didn't have a lot of influence. I, you know, it's a different time. You know, of what's course, going
3: on politically in Idaho?
2: Well, not much. You know, it's it's one of the reddest states in the in the union. But the thing is, like, we were pretty isolated, even uh-huh. from that, because we were in the middle of nowhere.
3: Like, how many kids were in your school? Like, did you have oh, tiny?
2: Yeah, tiny schools mm-hmm. in in the hundreds, you know. It was very small. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we just grew up in the middle of nowhere, and so we, we kind of just embraced being creative in all these different ways. I mean, we had two TV stations, and we were on an antenna, so they didn't always come in. So when so... we were kids, we were inventing things to do. And uh-huh. that's one of the reasons I was really into birds and falcons. And then, you know, once I got interested in that and I started reading about birds, I mean, I realized really early on that the environment was really important. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that when I was a kid, that, you know, like mm-hmm. what we have is the earth. And that's what we have, you know, and that, that's always been with me. So it's cool to be doing something completely full circle. I'm really I, I wanted to do this for so long so how did I'm you stoked. find
3: them or them you
2: well I was just playing in Boise recently and one of the women from the Peregrine Fund happened to be at my show and my friend introduced me and said hey this is Amy she works at the Peregrine Fund I said oh that's awesome I was thinking about contacting you guys because I have this song that you know I was interested in maybe working together but I didn't know if you did any social media mm-hmm. she's like yeah we do so what what is it and I told her and and so she's like, You gotta come out to the peregrine fun the next day. So the next day I went out and just hung out with all these amazing birds. So I went out <laughs> I was hanging with these <laughs> these, these amazing, amazing birds. owls. And he does not mean women. Eagles. He means yeah. the time birds, these yeah. amazing birds, yeah. I should be English. I need some birds <laughs> in my life. But anyway, it was just awesome. They have these new you know, they have this new breeding project for these applomato falcons, which are beautiful and these I hung out with this African owl and I fed the harpy eagle, which is one of the biggest eagles in the world. But the interest... And you have no fear? No, no. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I have a healthy fear. I think mm-hmm. you should. Yeah. You know, especially of the big birds. Mm-hmm. But the thing is... Have
3: you like had...
2: Oh, yeah. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. At the... But the crazy thing was that that week was when the Amazon news hit, when when the Amazon was really burning. Mm-hmm. When it hit, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was just so frustrated because I was like, shit, you know, what can we do?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We clearly have, you know, you know, uh, politically, nobody's doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this this presidency does, does not care at all. In fact, they're probably making it worse. And mm-hmm. so it's really frustrating. And so I was just like, God, what can I do? You know, because the main thing is I don't want to focus on what somebody else is not doing. I want to try to do something myself. Be proactive, huh? So when that happened, I was just like, this is perfect you know they're having their 50th anniversary next year they've been conserving land and doing this for 50 years and they they're a success story you know and so it's exciting i'm really excited
3: i love it. it all right so now 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 a little taste of
2: fresh oh Ooh. okay let's see one of my favorite you <laughs> No.
3: Because they should, because you are I want in, them to. Yes, the whole to. rainforest thing. Like, I can see this I, whole... I,
2: it would be really cool if those two, the Rainforest Foundation and the, birds. And the Peregrine Fund got no. together. And I'm I, thinking... I, I want that to happen. I would I'm really thinking
3: love that that, that uh, somebody who knows...
2: Yeah, please. ...should be doing Do something about the... We got people out
3: there that know the man, yeah, so please. that played with the man, so...
2: That would be amazing. I mean, Jeff played with him, too, you know, which is really cool, but yeah, that would be a great connection That's because I'm right. telling you, like, if really right now everybody needs to get together who can do something they need to do something
3: well the first thing we need to do is impeach somebody that's the first thing we want in our agenda is lock yeah. him up as peter O'dorrani would say just, lock him up crystal okay so crystal it. is madly in love with you she was she was begging
0: me hello, to like daddy. tell
3: pete to take the day off so then she <laughs> can sit in tonight yeah, behind the says, camera
0: she but, says hello daddy Hello, <laughs> oh, boy to but you. she
3: will she will be at women who write um Marcus will be live in the living room um, on October 29th for Women Who Write and he will be singing for us live. And Crystal yeah. you'll be able to touch him and take a picture with if he well. lets you
2: <laughs> touch <I don't> know. <laughs>
3: well, You'll be able to take a picture with him and, and hear him sing live and you can swoon in person. Oh boy. Um, uh, okay so more exciting <laughs> it's there'll be this gonna be a house full filled with of women.
2: Could be. And uh, you may need a bodyguard. for You that, you might
3: know. need a bodyguard for that. And uh, and I'm going to be 64 that day, which oh, is wow. so fucking happy freaky. Birthday. Thank you. That's you awesome. You'll be able to wish me happy birthday yeah. live and in person. Yeah, 64 is beyond the trippiest thing in the world. You know, like I remember hearing that song when I was less than your age, and yeah. that's pretty. Weird that's cool. To be, to be getting that shit. Good for you. So, um, okay, so. Mm-hmm. So you're in Idaho. You're yeah. you're becoming your birds, your music. Yeah, yeah. How the hell do you get out of Idaho?
2: Well, we I started playing with this really amazing drummer when I was like 16, and we just kind of found okay, wait, each other. Okay, wait, stop. Yeah. I'm sorry,
3: I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. What's your first band?
2: That was my that, first. band Okay, so
3: you're like yeah. a teenager.
2: Yeah. And I was, you know, super into Hendrix and just playing mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of electric and just wanted to form a band. You know. So I found this drummer and he was yeah, really exceptionally good. And so we started playing together and we were just like, dude, this is awesome. We were a duo. Well
3: so a just ju- me, wait a minute. Yeah, it was
2: just me and a drummer. Yeah. What? We want, and we did eventually like have a bassist every once in a while, but we just it was so badass and we called it Like us,
3: what kind of drum? Like a kit? Like a whole... Oh yeah,
2: like big kit, roto Toms, and like three toms. And, and
3: an acoustic guitar?
2: Uh I was playing a lot of electric. I because at the time you know, I, I wanted to play acoustic live, but, you know, it was one of these things that was just trying to find the right acoustic with a pickup at that time. Mm. It was really difficult. It was very difficult. It's a long story, but technology has definitely progressed. So
3: now, what kind of music is this?
2: We called ourselves... I mean, it's not... It's crazy, but, I mean, it's always been an extension of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been similar. It's, like, really percussive and really rhythmic and cool. And
3: Well, you must have been doing covers. You weren't doing... Yeah, that. we
2: were doing covers. So, we like, were, what were, we were you doing like, back like back Rusted Root, like... Remember that song? Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's one of the rusted root ones. We were doing some Dave Matthews stuff.
1: <laughs> and know,
2: you got to that. open for Dave Matthews. We were doing Dancing Nancy's. Yeah. Um, so
3: how weird was that? Well, we'll get to that when we when we get up there.
2: Yeah. So, so we started playing out, and we started. Where were you
3: playing out in Idaho? We
2: played bars. We played the first national bar. In, so wait, but you're Pocatello. too young
3: to be in a bar. Yeah. But you're playing in bars. Yeah,
2: but we were playing there. We were making money. It was awesome. Uh, we we started playing the Bistro, which was another gig in town, and uh, we just started playing around, and we started getting this name, and anyway... What are you called? ESP, because we just, we had these mind melts, you know, we'd just be like <laughs> doing all this rhythmic stuff together, and we had business cards. It was amazing. <laughs> so we, uh, we started playing out, and interestingly enough, like we, I had some issues with that drummer, so you know bands always do do that and you know you're you're young you're going through your ecoic bullshit you know mm-hmm. anyway so we kind of parted ways and he came back parted ways came back but he came back and then we actually got signed it was him and As two other dual. guys we we formed again in okay. Boise we moved to the other side of the state mm-hmm. you know the actual city the one <laughs> city in Idaho <laughs> so we moved over there we got back together and i was just you know like dude we got we got something real special bro <laughs> We got we to encourage this dude, you know, and he's like, yeah, totally, man, you know. So we, we get together, fi- we found this really amazing bassist and a sax player, oh. and we got signed with that band. We started getting this really big following in Idaho. Like, what
3: kind of original music are you doing back then? It's
2: kind of like, I mean, we got comparisons to like, of course, like the Dave Matthews thing was pretty big, but it's, it's because... I was playing a lot of acoustic, also a lot of electric, but it was fronted by acoustic, very rhythmic, really amazing drummer, like DMV, mm-hmm. and also a sax player like those guys. But it was also like Bring on the Night, like the Sting band, you know, that's what it was like, it was like a fusion band. And we were doing some pretty, pretty sophisticated stuff, but we had some some songs and uh, that were really kind of pop-oriented, of course, and we started touring around the Northwest, and long story short because it is a long story but mm-hmm. these guys from LA found us they came up and we got signed to MCA we were on Universal so they released this album what year
3: is this that you get signed that was
2: 2002
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then we released our album in 2003 and we had a really good booking agent for a while so a lot of the really good opening jobs came from that agent that was awesome like I played with Victor Wooten that was our first tour have you ever seen Victor Wooten I play I have not oh my god you know who Victor Wooten is no. Victor Wooten is like the baddest bassist ever, huh. you know, and he was in Bela Fleck in the Fleck tones. So oh, yeah. Bela Fleck, Bela Fleck is like the most incredible banjo player ever, so he was playing in, in uh, Bela's band,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and oh my god, it was just wicked, so we knew who he was, and we were like, oh my god, we get to play with Victor Wooten, and he is just badass, it's, you can't even describe it, it's so good. So we played with him, and we played with Train. We opened for Train, and that was like the Drops of Jupiter tour. Yeah, and we, and we were, huge. Yeah, we were ruling. Wow. We were just <laughs> ruling. It was awesome. So we did a lot of amazing shows. We did a whole series of uh, shows at the Fox Theater in Boulder, which is like one of the best venues in the country. Mm-hmm. They did a whole um, you know, thing with us. We came down here and played like the House of Blues, the Foundation Room. We did a number of things. We were on Mark and Brian. That was a huge show for us. I it? bet you sold a lot after Mark Brian. We did. Oh, hell we sold yeah. 300 CDs, like mm. this, right there. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, the best is still yet to come. But that was that was a good time. That was pretty good. So, so <laughs>
3: yeah. how long did that last?
2: That lasted, you know, three years probably. Mm-hmm. 2002. We well, you know, 2001, two, three, into part of four. So it was like a five-year situation, and then the band. I think they, honestly, I think that they just got frustrated that we weren't further along because, of course, you know, when you're young, you can't see into the future, and you don't know how good it actually is, you know, because mm-hmm. we could have kept going for a long time, you know, probably kept building, mm-hmm. but they were just like, dude, no, it hasn't happened yet, bro, and, you know, we want to do other things, and mainly the drummer kind of put the kibosh on it, you know.
3: Has he gone on to bigger and better things?
2: Uh, I mean, he's he's still playing, you know, he's down in Nashville just mm-hmm. doing other things, um, but, you know, everybody has to do what they feel is right for themselves, so, Absolutely. you know, so he did that, and actually it was a good thing for me, because it developed my solo thing, and that's what I've been doing ever since, and then that's how all these other things happen, so, you know.
3: Okay, so, yeah. so, the band breaks up, you're still yeah. very young, mm-hmm. um, what's the next, thing? so, you've been writing songs all through, through this? Yes. Well, you, did mm-hmm. you guys write together, or did you write your own?
2: We we did have some writing together but mainly it was just me doing the mm-hmm. doing the writing. And it wasn't, you know, because I didn't like writing with them. We we tried mm-hmm. different incarnations but mm-hmm. it was just it was my stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just that. So
3: so you're making a living as a musician? Yeah. I was in Did I, you ever yeah. have to do anything else?
2: I was working in a record store. I was working at Barnes and Noble for a while, which really sucks. That was For those of you that are young, <laughs> Barnes and Noble were bookstores. There yeah. used to be these stores yeah. where you
3: could go and buy books back in the olden days. You know what a book is? <laughs>
2: yeah. No, so we I, I was working at Barnes and Noble, I worked at a record store. I worked at a guitar shop, which mm-hmm. is a really good gig for me. Uh because
3: get things cheap.
2: Yeah, and you know, people coming through town, you never know I who was gonna know. be there. Victor Wooten came through. Mhm before I open for him.
3: Oh nice.
2: And I took a master class and I was just like, holy shit, he's so amazing. <laughs> and so I just I learned all these things from him. So he's like well, actually one of my top guitar influences, wow. this guy. I mean, he I does have to he, fi- I
3: have to get schooled. I don't know who he really is.
2: Oh, he just does the crazy, I and mean, he does these things like like he does these slap things. Like um, slap
3: bass is my favorite this,
2: thing. this is something Things that you can. You don't know what's happening. He's he's like a magician. So I mean, I I learned all of this stuff and like adapted it to the guitar, and I was just like, oh, you know. Then we got to open for him, so that was a good gig. But anyway, I just I have to give a shout
3: out to my two favorite. Slap bass players, which is Kenny Aronson. Oh yeah. Um and and Charles Torres who plays with Rick Derringer. Those are those oh, two, yeah. both those guys are wicked slap bass yeah. players.
2: They know who Victor is.
3: I'm sure they for do. Sure.
2: Um He's so, okay. Yeah, so uh
3: okay, so so you're out on your own. Yeah. you're writing songs. Are you still yeah. making a living as a musician out on your yeah, own? Yeah, I
2: mean it's always been you know, it's always been like, like this. Yeah. I was okay, so I was still in Idaho, mm-hmm. it was about two thousand and four. I came down here, recorded an album. hmm and it's long, another long story. I had some bad luck with some of the tracks because they were on an analog board, and they lost some of my tracks. So that was a, that was a real bummer. But mm-hmm. I went ended up going back and f- basically re-recording that album, which turned out to be this album called Story of Now.
3: I've heard some of it. On, yeah. yeah.
2: And so that album came out, and I just continued to tour, and I've toured a lot with this guy named Tim Reynolds. Tim Reynolds is this unbelievable guitarist that plays with Dave Matthews that's how people know him mm-hmm. but he's just like ext- oh my god I mean on the level of guitar players he's just he's way up there you know mm-hmm. and one of my main influences and so another kind of like hero was like oh my god if I could ever play with Tim and I got to do it a lot and tour with him and he was one of the people that okay was, so wait what does touring you
3: know, look like at, at that yeah. time
2: it, it involves having a suburban okay Um, getting a couple friends together to help you I had a sound man and myself Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. and also usually maybe another person that would help me like with merch and selling CDs Mm -hmm. but at least at least a sound man that would help me drive and we would just go you know we'd book basically Tim would book something and I'd say hey man can I hop on this tour with you and they were they're one of the few people that's been kind enough to just be like yeah and and we, will, and we will help facilitate that, and we're going to try to get you on as many dates as we can. And
3: so can, what kind of venues are you playing at that playing? um
2: Playing like...
3: How many seats and stuff? Uh, like clubs?
2: Clubs, uh, clubs um. and theaters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they could be maybe 400, 500 seats at the mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. And he's, I did a lot of things, because I did some with his band, and then I, I did a lot with him solo so the, like the solo ones were really cool you know mm-hmm. we did a lot of that and we started playing together on stage which was another really amazing moment for me but you know like two or three weeks of solid touring mm-hmm. and it's really helpful you know mm-hmm. and it really bolsters your, your the way you feel about yourself too because we need that you know because mm-hmm. a lot of times you feel like people are ignoring what you're doing and <laughs> so it's good to be out there playing in front of people you know And his, and his audience clearly I mean They're open-minded, you know. They love a lot. A lot of times at first, they were like people that really love Dave Matthews, and so we get a lot of those people in the audience. But Mm -hmm. he's he's got a different. He's a totally different person. And but but they're accepting of other music. You know, the people that are going to see him are a little bit more adventurous. Mm -hmm. So that was always good. That Mm -hmm. was always good. You know, get out there and do some guitar fireworks, and people are like,
3: "Yeah, it's awesome." You know, so
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah.
3: So okay, so so you're doing that for a while. Yeah. And you're, are you prolific, you're writing, writing, yeah. writing?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, it wasn't like you could go into the studio because it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. So you'd kind of, you'd come up with a big group of songs and you just keep playing them live and then eventually, you know, you'd try to find the money to record. Mm-hmm. And So I've been really lucky that way because I've had a couple people that have invested in, you know, in my career.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the, probably the biggest thing that happened was I met this guy named Norm and his name's Norm Waite and he came to a gig of Tim Reynolds and so this brings me to the current full circle full, full circle <laughs> Norm came to a show was opening for Tim Reynolds it was at the Belly Up in Aspen, Colorado he loved the show and he said hey man you know when you're uh, are you going to be opening for Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds at the Santa Barbara Bowl and I was just like dude I would love to <laughs> that's my dream gig he's like well I'm going to try to make that happen for you and I was like uh, okay, because you know, in Aspen, you think like everybody's a little bit crazy, you know. And he, he did it. He actually, because wow. he was on the board. And so he got them, and then I ended up, you know, going through the DMB management, and they said, well, we can't have an opener because we have a curfew. But he did it, you know. So he introduced himself and he invited me to come play his Christmas party. And the, it was really strange. I got a message from his girlfriend, and I was living in Seattle and moved to Seattle for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And she said, we really love your set. Norm uh, would really love you to play his Christmas party, and don't worry about transportation, he'll send a jet to pick you up. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know? And it happened. So I thought, well, yeah, I've I've, I've made it now. But anyway, so I go out there, play this Christmas party.
3: And is it all like the cool people in Aspen?
2: No, no, it was was a company party for him, and I didn't Mm -hmm. really know that much about what he did. Well, Mm -hmm. as it turns out, he and his brother co-founded Gateway Computers. And it, I was like, "Oh, okay, you're gateway, you're the, one of the gateway guys." And he just said, "Man, and he's so into music, he's so into it." And he goes, "I need to introduce you to my friend David Crosby." And it was just one of these, you know, amazing, serendipitous things. And I flew wow. back, and he put, and then, you know, we've been friends ever since. And he's like one of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life, ever. And he's completely, I mean, is he philanthropic? Oh beyond. I can I mean, just get that. Yeah, vibe. and yeah. he's beyond. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's like one of these people that I he's the most generous person I think I've ever met, which is which is somebody I really look up to because, you know, if you're if you have the ability to do that, there's a lot of people that have the ability to do that and, and don't. don't do that. Okay. Correct. So that yes. that's it. Mhm. Anyway, he said I need to introduce to Crosby, put a dinner together for us. I met Crosby and it was crazy cuz we totally hit it off. Okay, so wait, what was yeah. the
3: intention? The original intention to get he you He just together? he just said, "Hey, this
2: he start, started sending emails and he said, "You need to check this guy out. I saw him play opening for Tim Reynolds in Aspen. You mm-hmm. just need to hear him."
3: And how long ago was this?
2: This was like in 2009 probably. Okay, so like nine. 10 years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes uh he's I remember the first email and Crosby goes, "Oh, you say this guy's just starting out, but you don't get that way from just starting out. He's been playing a long time, I and mean, that guy's you know he's a badass guitarist like that was the first email, and at the time i you know I'm pretty young, I didn't really realize I know Crosby still's in Nash, but I didn't know what they'd done. I don't know much about that era you know okay. at the time, so let's, I was like this let's, David pause Crosby. This, let's pause yeah. a second, okay,
3: so." What was the music that you were listening to besides Dave Matthews and stuff?
2: What I was listening to a lot of, uh, I was listening to Tim Reynolds a lot, mm-hmm. and he has a bunch of solo albums. I was listening to a lot of African and world music that was because I was working at this record store, so I'd listen to everything. I just put stuff on the player. I was listening to a really a lot, like a lot of eclectic stuff, like Nine Inch Nails. I was really mm-hmm. into for a while, um, but but mostly like getting back into the, some of the singer-songwriter stuff. I was really into like? that guy. Oh. Let me think. Um, I well, I got really into Bob Marley for a while. I okay. know that I know people don't think like he's a singer-songwriter, but that I was do. like some of the most powerful music. Mm-hmm. ever. Obviously, I was really into Hendrix. I was really into Steve Ray Vaughan mm-hmm. for a while. I started getting I was really into the Spin Doctors. They were popular, but that was a badass band. I don't I give a shit what anybody says. That band Fucking rule. Yes, I love yes, them. They, I love they, them. They, they're the shit. Mm-hmm. They're the shit. And then I got into. um That's
3: my Facebook friend. We actually had conversation a conversation. ago. Yeah. Oh, what's, uh, what's his name? Um, Chris. Chris. Yeah. yeah. He's, they're He's, badass. So yeah. now, so, so then I saw that you
2: blues opened, traveler. All had, the horror tour stuff. How did
3: you uh, open for Dylan?
2: Oh, okay. Well, that was with the band. The band that I was talking about that was signed was called The Lobby. Marcus Eaton and The Lobby. Okay we started it's
3: kind of like the weekend
2: yeah it was kind originally it was kind of like the idea was that I I pretty much thought that the band was going to change around so I was just like if I just have a band called The Lobby like the E Street Band Mm -hmm. you know you can change the members that's kind of what it was Mm -hmm. at the beginning but it turned out to be a permanent band that was just the way it worked out but what happened was we started opening all these shows around Idaho and around the northwest and Mm -hmm. people knew that we could have a draw Mm mm-hmm because we were pulling like between five hundred and a thousand people at all these gigs, and so it was a really big Sweet. deal. Yeah, and we had—I mean, we were loving life; it was amazing. And so the promoter in Idaho—it was awesome. My brother ran into him, and he, you know, he said, "So what are you working on?" I see that Bob Dylan's coming here, and he's like, "Yeah, well, we're putting on a, another show that nobody knows about it in in Sun Valley," and he said, "You ought to have my brother open for it." And he goes, "That's a good idea. I think I'll do that." And so we got a call do you want to open for Bob Dylan? What, what year it. is this? Yeah, it was two thousand and three.
3: Okay, so now you t- you talking about being into singer-songwriters. I mean, yeah. were you did you know from Dylan?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, did you I, have I, an
3: appreciation I, of what you were walking yeah, into? Yeah,
2: I mean, I I did, I did. I mean, I knew, I knew how big of a deal it was because like, my, you know, my dad is a singer songwriter. Like my dad is one of the best singer songwriters ever. I mean he's like James Taylor, Bob Dylan. Jesus. Like he's he's a badass. I have to so, so I'm to some just of saying like st- I grew up around a really high level of stuff. Well, what's line. your dad's name? Steve Eaton. Yeah, okay, Steve. Okay, so Eaton.
3: can people find his stuff online?
2: Yeah, you can mm-hmm. find his stuff online. He's got two I am we my brother and I are are pushing him to record a new album because he's got like he's probably better than ever. His voice is better than it's ever been and it's amazing, but he needs to do a new production because, you know, He's gone through, there's been a lot of eras since he released his his albums. And the albums that were released mm-hmm. in the 70s, I mean, it's awesome. Because it's like Lee Sklar,
3: <laughs> Russ
2: Kunkel. Um, the immediate
3: Steve, family. Yeah, Steve postel yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Uh-huh.
2: Steve Lukather. <laughs> wow. They're, they're all playing on my dad's album.
3: Wow. So
2: actually, another f- full circle thing that was really cool is on my album Versions of the Truth, Lee Sklar came over and played on three songs on that album. Because he knows my dad, That's and he crazy. was just like, "This is so cool." It was amazing. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's like that. Living the dream. And is yeah. your
3: dad really proud of you?
2: I think so. I mean, we can ask him. He's maybe he's watching. Pete, let us know if is he on social media. Yeah, he'll he'll see it. So,
3: Pete, let us know if if uh, Dad comes on the uh, okay. on the thing. So. Um, <laughs> just, is, is his dad the, is He's single? not single. No. He's not
2: single. Crystal! <laughs>
3: Crystal! She's just... she's she, If she can't get the son, she wants the... She wants the... Hi, John. Hi, Patrick. I like
2: this thing where it says, being a musician is not something you choose. I, I totally agree with that. I actually think it chooses you. And so you just... You work with... You know, you work with that energy. It chooses you, for sure. By a the rate. way, if
3: you guys have questions for Marcus, Pete's gonna give, be firing sure. those off in a bit. So let us know if you have any questions. This was very thorough. I um, didn't know it was gonna be so thorough. Yeah, but this is, <clears> this, throat> is throat> this is awesome. Uh, this is uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> this thank is. Yeah,
3: Facebook a game.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So um, so okay, so, so now what's it like when you play that concert with Bob Dylan?
2: It was <clears throat> it was really interesting because it was like. Yes, you know, yes, the local people think you're important, but these guys don't even want to see you, you know? And so it was really funny because we had a great show. We had so much fun. And I mean, what it's, kind of venue? It, it's outdoor in front of the ski hill. It was gorgeous. About and six, like how
3: many people?
2: About 6,000. Nice. 6,000 okay. people. Uh-huh. Everybody's stoked. And, you know, so we, we got up and played. It was killer, but are so. They,
3: are the people ignoring of the audience? no no they loved it the audience was totally into it
2: Mm -hmm. um the interesting thing was they wouldn't let us use their soundboard so they're like you have to use our b soundboard okay sure Mm -hmm. so we did that so Mm -hmm. that was a kind of a whole thing we had our own sound man Mm -hmm. so they were just like don't touch this Mm -hmm. but you can (laughs) touch that you know it was pretty interesting (laughs) and then uh i remember this was the funniest part we get done with the show we get on the stage, too, set up, and I, I go up to the sound. I mean, the guy's standing on the side of the stage, and I'm just like, you know, I'm young. And I'm like, hey, man, you know where I can plug my pedal board in? He's just like, no, I don't fucking know where you can plug, plug your pedal board in. Fuck off, like this. I was like, okay. You know? I mean, this, is, this is the kind of, like, they're, they're with the band, you know? I was right. like,
4: okay. So
2: we start setting up, and, you know, we're just kind of navigating this scene huge backstage and like all the catering set up and we're just like oh wow there's chocolate cake back here this is amazing and they've got fresh strawberries you know And we're just we're just like this is this is huge right so we start loading our stuff and i remember we had this huge tub like of my drummer's gear we start loading it off and some guy just goes set it down we're like what like we just open so we kind of ignore him he's like no i'm talking to you man set that shit down i'm like okay And he's like, set it down right now. Okay. So we set it down. We go like this. And he's like, don't look at the artist. (laughs) And here comes Dylan and his band. And they're just like, you know, doing this. And we're just like,
4: oh, "Oh, hi. We just opened for you. But you don't
2: care. It's cool. We'll just stand over here. You know, they just didn't. They just were just like, just just fuck off. Just don't, you know, just don't interact.
3: I've told this story before. um, When Kenny Aronson was playing with Dylan. Yeah. He, they were recording one day and he told me to come to the studio because mm-hmm. Dylan was my god yeah. and he said, come and I'll introduce you and so I came up in the elevator yeah. and he stopped me at the elevator and he said, go home not today because oh, okay. yeah. he was in one of those moods and you don't meet your hero sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, so sure it was but one of those things.
2: I've discovered it's it's usually really it's usually not the artists usually it's the people around them yes and I, I, I actually true. went out and opened for Jewel for like three or four dates, that mm-hmm. was interesting Well, how so? Uh, it was it was fun she's amazing and she's a really great storyteller mm-hmm. I mean it was I, totally unexpected I didn't mm-hmm. really know what to expect it was her solo and she told these great stories mm-hmm. but I was on the elevator and you know again one of the guys is just like Dude,
4: you need to get out of the elevator now.
2: you know I was okay alright we're getting out you know and she comes down the hallway and she's just like will you chill So she said will you chill these guys just opened dumbass mm-hmm. that's what she said to the guy you guys nice. just played right and I go yeah she's like how was it I was like it was awesome, you know. It was great, and so she was just super sweet. Mm. Anyway,
3: has anybody not been super sweet? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, there have been people. I, I'm that, not going to
3: make you name them. But no. I mean, yeah, who's been? Who have you played open for that's been wonderful? Has uh, one of people? the
2: coolest people that I've opened for besides mm-hmm. Tim Reynolds was. Um, now that you're now that you're asking me, I'm mm-hmm. going to. Just one second. I have okay. to. I have to access that random access memory. Oh wait, it. I'm trying
3: to. Th- I have to see like um, who 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 I've said that you've opened for. I know you opened for Seal recently, right? Did you?
2: I played with Seal you at could. an at an event in El- at downtown, uh, in Hollywood. What and was that like? In, and Flee, that okay. was the band. It was it was amazing. Seal
3: and Flea were in yeah. a band. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, okay, for, that's wild for the moment.
3: And how was that?
2: It was awesome. I love those guys. I mean, they're some of my some of my musical heroes. I mean. Th- Seal's badass, you know, I've always loved his stuff. So that Great voice. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, uh, no, but but who's the, he's, uh, hang on, I'm just forgetting his name. He's one of the guitarists in the E Street band. Um,
3: Niles. Um, Nils. Nils. Nils
2: Lofgren. Nils Lofgren. I played with him solo. Mm-hmm. And he was like one of the f- very few people that is just, he's awesome. Like, Did he I just was, say
3: Niles? yeah Yeah. but that's cool no but but he came came
2: back he Mm -hmm. came back to knocked on the dressing room door and was like hey man great job what's your name and that never ever happens ever the other people that that are amazing blues traveler always there's so dude what's your name okay well we're gonna make sure we announce it to the audience nice They, they probably dropped you know my name three or four times. Oh, oh that's, that's really nice. nice. It's just kind of going out of your way to, mm-hmm. to show it's people. It's going that out of
3: your way, but how far are they go? I mean, it's just a lovely no. thing to do. It's being human. It's it, it's the nice thing. It's
2: it's something that you can recognize when somebody's actually worked their way up, and they recognize that you're working your way up, and they mm-hmm. appreciate it mm-hmm. instead of like well, because ah, everybody's worked yeah. their way up. Yeah. At some
3: point, everybody did. Yeah.
2: But some people forget that. Yeah. You know, but it's cool. It was I, I've had pretty much good luck. You know, there's been a few, but I've forgotten them, you know. So,
3: okay, so let's talk about David Crosby and how that yeah. whole relationship started and <laughs> yeah. developed and turned into a lot. Because yeah. Because you've recorded together, you've written together, you've toured with him, you've composed yeah. the music for the documentary. We want to talk about your brother a little bit, too. Yeah, but absolutely. But let's talk about David first. So
2: Well, so we met, that was 2009. And he's, already he's sober? Yeah. Can you meet? Yeah. And, uh... And we just, I mean, it was funny because I actually, I showed up early and he showed up early. And our, the friend that introduced us was like on time, but we were both early. Uh And I was on tour because Mm -hmm. I I didn't really have anything else to do. And he put this dinner together. So I went down to Santa Monica and I was, I wasn't living in LA yet. Mm -hmm. So we met at this, this place in Santa Monica. And I said, Hey, Hey David, I'm Marcus. You know, he's like, Oh, nice to meet you, man. So, so I like your music. So
3: he's already listened yeah. to what does he listen to? Story of Now.
2: Okay. He's like, I really I really like your tunes, man. So what are you listening to? And I said, uh, right now I'm listening to Esperanza Spaulding and he's just like, Oh my god, isn't she fucking amazing? <laughs> she is incredible, you know. And then we just totally hit it off when we're talking about music. And so we that was like that was how we met and then we had dinner.
3: So wait, so what is he like? He's engaged. He's, he's friendly. Completely he's
2: engaged. He's, he's one. He's
3: accessible. T- I mean, not ego. No, I mean, I
2: had no expectations, but he. By totally, this time,
3: are you schooled? Have you schooled yourself? Do you know who he is? Do you appreciate? Well, I know who he is, who he is but I don't.
2: But I'm not like a super super fan either. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know all the things he's done. I know mm-hmm. some of it, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: but that was a good thing. That turned out to be a good thing for okay. me because I think if I had known everything, I don't know that I could have been really mm-hmm. as confident, as yeah mm-hmm. so anyway i just i started talking with him and and we just totally hit it off i didn't expect that and he's totally lucid he's really into the same things he's re- you know he's into shit that matters he's into the environment mm-hmm. he's really well read he mm-hmm. reads all the time
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he's an, a very intelligent guy one of the most intelligent people you can talk to mm-hmm. and so we really bonded immediately it just wasn't there wasn't an issue and so at the end of that meeting, he's like, "Hey man, take my number." And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, man, call me. Like, I want to hear, I want to hear you play sometime. I want to get together and play." And I was like, "Okay, awesome." You know. And, and
3: what is he doing at the time when you? At when the time, he, made... he was
2: recording CSN album with Rick Rubin. <laughs> so, you know. So it was like, wow. You know, I, I just, I, it still kind of boggles my mind that this happened. You know, thinking about it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So. We tried to get together one time down here, but what happened was I found out he was coming through Idaho, and I was back in Idaho, I'd moved to Seattle, i moved back to Idaho for this girl that I fell in love with. I was going to
3: say, why would you move back yeah, to Idaho? Yeah. Okay, that explains it. But it was
2: I was touring all the time, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, and, and again, like when you have a following somewhere, mm-hmm. you, you can do a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah, So yeah. It, was, it was nice. Mm-hmm. So anyway, at least at the time, I thought it was nice. So, <laughs> so I went back there, and I saw he was coming through town, and mm-hmm. I called him, and I said, hey, your voice, he's like, Great, I'll be there early. I arrived the night before. I fly in, let's have dinner, and then let's play. So we have dinner, and we go up to his, his hotel room. And oh, and he, you haven't played together yet? No. Okay. And, and he's like, I have a guitar that you have to see. And he hands me this McAllister. And I was just like, Whoa, shit, where did you get this thing? You know, I was just like, Oh my god. And he's like, You need to get one of those. You know, it's like, yeah, well, someday, you know. Anyway, I play him this song. I remember the song was called Smile, and he's just like. Oh my god Let's
3: have a little taste of that
2: Oh Smiles Like That (laughs)
4: As far as I can see The future is Infinity Not obscured by doubt All the best of yesterday all kings were down, I think the baby-
3: Songwriters, singers, players, uh, and uh, yeah. So he thinks quite a lot of you. Yeah,
2: well, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, that's
3: saying a lot, considering.
2: Yeah. The players that he's played with. fortunate. So, yeah. So I, anyway, you know, I played him that song. He's like, Oh, you got to play for my son. So he called James. You know, because he was on the road. And he mm-hmm. said, James, come over here. So his son came over, and I played for him. And he was like, Wow, that's really inspiring. And Crosby played me a song. And then it was like, from that day on, it was like we were pals. He said, come out to the bus, man. Come hang with us tomorrow. I hung out with him, and we were just getting to know each other, and then I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just mm-hmm. thought, okay. I said, so what are you doing next? He's like, I'm heading over to uh, Hyde Park to go open for Paul McCartney. I was just like, holy <laughs> shit, man. Are you serious? No. You know? I just cu- I couldn't believe it. And then he you know, he gave me a shout-out from the stage. He played uh, Deja Vu, and he's like, "This is for my friend Marcus Eaton amazing singer songwriter you have to hear him i was like oh my god that is so yeah i couldn't believe it you know Mm -hmm. i could not believe it so anyway so he left and i I was like didn't i you know i was at this point in my career where i'm still trying to move forward and Mm -hmm. i'm trying to find somebody to release my album nobody's interested and i wrote to him hey crosby i'm really looking for like maybe a manager or somebody that you can recommend i didn't hear back from him and like a couple days later he's like hey man I'm getting ready to record a new album, and I'm I'm wondering if you would like to come play guitar. And I'm like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. You know? And it was one of those things where I've had things fall through a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody that's been in this business. Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell anybody Mm -hmm. because I just didn't want it to not happen. You know, I didn't want to... Well, I didn't want to tell somebody and then Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen, and then I'm just bummed out about it, you know? So I was just like, oh, wow. So we set it up, and it was Halloween. I think it was 2009. It was on Halloween. And I was touring. I was on the East Coast, and I flew all the way across the country. And James, his son, picked me up in Burbank, and I went to his house, and we started recording. And then I called my friends. Dude, <laughs> I'm a, a cross man. You know, like I was. Am oh, getting bloody notes? Sorry. Um. Anyway, I can I have one of those tissues over sure. there? Sure. So see, wow, look country. at that. You
3: to see how Thank handy you. they are.
2: So anyway, he um picked me up from the airport, and then it was real. Then it was like, okay, we're working. And he sent me two tracks, mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay, we're in it now. And mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. And then it, and then it just developed. He's so like, you're
3: playing guitar. Are you doing background vocals or not yet? We
2: didn't know. We um. didn't know. We laid down the guitar parts, mm-hmm. and I think they were just kind of testing the waters to mm-hmm. see how it would work. It worked really well. And then Crosby's mm-hmm. like, we need to write something. We need to write something together. I have a really good feeling. So we did. Can you give us a taste of something? Well one, together? one of the yeah, one of the things see if I can remember this, but so this was the first song we recorded. This was like we didn't write this together by the way. of the first riffs and it's called The Clearing and mm-hmm. I just remember learning that and it's this really cool outro you know it's it's really it's really progressive mm-hmm. and I realized like yeah we're really related musically on a progressive thing and he's into the same chords but he's using open tunings to get to the same places that I'm going like playing like you know he's he's doing that with an open tuning and I and I'm just doing it with with my fingers and so we, we really relate in a lot of ways. So anyway, one of these things was like a... I don't know if I can remember it. This was something that... Got that piece in particular, just so great because it was something, it was an idea that I had that I brought in, didn't expect anything to happen, you know. And it just James went crazy on it, and then Crosby just like wrote the words. It was, it was that was a moment, that was a moment, it was really cool. So,
3: now, when how does it start happening lyric, uh, uh, vocally for you guys?
2: Vocally, um, you know, he had heard my stuff, and all right, well, let's, you know, his son. I was like, let's get you in on these, on these vocals. Okay. I jumped in there, and it was just like, oh, yeah. I mean, just it was kind of like the excitement was building in the studio because it was organic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they listened to my stuff, and they, they knew that I could do it. Mm-hmm. So I got in there and sang it. And, All right, let's stack that up. I mean, there's this amazing moment at the beginning of the album, of that album that's called, uh, what is the name of the song? It's called uh, What's Broken, mm-hmm. a song that James wrote. And they just stack these harmonies up, and it's like they lie, 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 you know, all to, to this really huge stack. And I mean, you know, I got to sing a lot of those parts. It's Crosby and me and James, and it was just like, oh my god, At that this was even point actually, you... yeah. What? Oh, it was I mean, I was just thinking it was even a lot of times more fun than playing guitar. I mean, I love playing guitar, but. to to sing harmonies with Crosby was just so amazing I'm thinking at this point your father
3: is kind of just yeah I don't don't think he really
2: believed it until you know until it came yeah because it took three years Mm -hmm. so everyone's like oh Mm -hmm. when's that gonna happen you know everybody's kind of like doubting you is Mm -hmm. that ever gonna come out and I'm like it'll come out Mm -hmm. it'll come out you know and then finally it did so that was like you know a little bit of touring he was in between now this is the interesting thing Mm -hmm. now he's fully committed to his solo thing Mm-hmm. but at the time he was in Crosby Stills and Nash so mm-hmm. like they were, that was still his gig mm-hmm. so this was kind of in between his gigs so that was one of those things where we toured in between mm-hmm. other tours and, and so, so
3: what kind of venues are you doing
2: we did, we did some residency gigs which were really interesting so we went back to New York we did like three dates at the city winery mm-hmm. and then we played on Fallon which was the total highlight of that whole thing for me it was so fun then we went to Washington DC and we had another series of gigs at the Wolf Trap, which they have an indoor venue there. Um, everyone got really sick, got a really bad flu, which actually turned out to be a good thing because you know Crosby came back and he his heart was blocked, you know, so he had to get he had to right, you know, get that. get that whole thing figured mm-hmm. out. But if he you know it was a good thing that he got sick basically. So we did that and then we had to make up other gigs and then we had five nights at the Troubadour here. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. So you know, it was it was a blast. We had a really good time. So. And are you
3: having? Are you are you getting a sense of? Because he's had reported mm-hmm. difficulties with a lot of people and burned oh, a yeah. lot of bridges. Are you um, are you bearing witness to any of that, or is that not the person that you're? You know, with so much? I
2: mean, he he would he would admit to you that every day is different. You know, you have to see the film, of course. That my my brother did this film. Okay, so, so. let's talk about the film a little. Okay, bit. Okay, so the next segue is. <laughs> <laughs> As we were working in the studio, my brother came in to shoot. A number and your of brother's things. name is A.J. Okay, A.J. Eaton. Mm-hmm. He's my brother's. You know, he's a director, producer. What, so what has guy. he done prior to the? He's the done cosplay. a lot of production on films. He's done a lot of commercial work. Mm-hmm. Um, He's, I mean, he's kind of... Had he
3: produced his... Has it, had he directed a documentary before? He'd, is this? Never,
2: he'd never done... He'd worked on documentaries of other people's, mm-hmm. like, in a production sense. And mm-hmm. he's also an editor. He's a really good editor. So, he, yes, he's done that work on the other side of things. Right. But, of course, his goal is to direct. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always been his goal and produce. So this kind of came up where I said, Hey, Crosby, why aren't we filming this in the studio because we should be filming this and he's like we don't have any money to do that shit you know (laughs) and I said well I know somebody that'll film and he's like really who and I said my brother oh yeah is he any good and I was like yeah he's really good just you know we grew up in a recording studio so we we have etiquette you know like he could be in here filming and you wouldn't know he's here you know it's not like oh hey man you know like he's not gonna get in the way of the production Mm -hmm. so he came up and just killed it I mean he Film these vignettes, and then he interviewed Crosby, mm-hmm. those became advertisements basically for the Cros album. They're amazing. They're in black and white. They're beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. and he showed those to a few people, and long story short, my brother's very ambitious, mm-hmm. and he connected with a woman named Jill Mazursky, and he told her... In
3: relation to Paul?
2: Yes. It's her, his daughter. Okay. Yeah. And so she, she's a big supporter of my brother's, and mm-hmm. they've known each other for a while. And he just said, "Hey, you know, I'm really interested in doing this documentary on Crosby because I was sort of planting the seed early on. I was like, Crosby, you should make a documentary about this album, and and then it kind of turned into like, well, you should just make a documentary, period." <laughs> so he was remember set,
3: my name, David Crosby. Remember my name. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And he was kind of like, "Well, we've had people approach us before, but you know, it has to be the right person. You're opening up your whole life, you know, right. to them. So, yeah."
3: Sorry, question: How is he about? How is he about all the truth being out there?
2: Well, I think he's happy about it now mm-hmm. because I think it's his chance to set the record straight, you know. But you have to you have to see the film. But he's Absolutely. he's he's pretty much as honest. As I've he been trying he is. to see the film. Yeah, I know. It's I know. hard to see the
3: film. I, I wanted to see the film.
2: I know. So you'll be able to see it. It's coming out. Actually, it's coming out digitally soon. Oh, So nice. you'll be able to see it there too. Okay. I think it's coming out on iTunes pretty pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a whole theatrical run and all that stuff. Anyway, so my brother approaches Jill. Jill says oh yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because Cameron Crowe's working here now and he was working on roadies. I should ask him. He's the biggest Crosby fan ever. Oh, and he's been God. interviewing him since he was like 13, right. right? So she asks him. He's totally game. He's like, really? I want to talk to this guy. So I, I was in on the first meeting. It was me and my brother and Jill and and uh, Cameron, and That's it was like,
3: right there. yeah,
2: and he's like, wow. And so he, he got together with my brother, and he's he didn't know how much time he could commit to it. And he said, let me let me do an interview. And he did one interview, and it was like he went so deep with him because he's known him forever. And so as my brother says, I and mean, he went to the interview, and he's like, the first question was, so when did you lose your virginity? And he, I mean, he went there. He just, (laughs) that was the first question. I love that. Yeah. And so it got deep. It got really deep, Mm -hmm. really fast. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, they rolled and that's what became the documentary. So it is deep. It's really good. And I mean, the Rotten Tomatoes, it's so, the high, the rating's so high. How high? I think it's 96% right now. That's pretty high. You know, Rolling Stone said it's one of the best rock docs of all time. Mm
3: Mm-hmm
2: so then the next full circle thing happened which was that my brother's working on this i'm at this point you know crosby was kind of like putting different bands together and stuff so i'm working on my other album versions of the truth and and then this new one that i have called invisible lines and basically you know at the at first i was telling my brother man if you if you need score music i know exactly what this should do but you never know until the film's done. You don't know what it's going to look like, what it's going to sound like. What, how, how do you want people to feel? And it came full circle back to me to do this score. And so I did a lot of these really cool, intimate acoustic Give us guitar. a little taste. Well, lots of space. there's there's lots of there's lots of really it's it's so space it's so spacious Mm. but it's really cool because it was like the whole thing is told from his perspective and it's really it's really just him narrating the thing so it's him looking outwards and so it needed to be something like he would write so it was really cool and then i bill lawrence this pianist from snarky puppy Mm. you know snarky puppy Mm -hmm. oh my god Snarky Puppy is just one of the best. It sounds
3: like something that I would like. Oh god, they,
2: they're just like. the sickest band ever. <laughs> really? Yeah, they're Okay, incredible. I'm gonna have to check them
3: out. Do you know them, Pete? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my
2: god. After this, I'm gonna go on YouTube, and you guys will just be lost for a couple days. But anyway, their pianist is just incredible. This guy named Bill Lawrence. He's from London, and he, we, we were gonna write the thing together. Like he's an incredible pianist. Mm-hmm. But what happened was we started working on stuff. Schedules kind of started pulling us apart because he's on tour, I'm on tour, just doing different things. But then we kind of realized just as the film got further forward that sections kind of needed, there needed to be some jazz stuff. So he, he basically took that over and I did the, the guitar work. Mm-hmm. But man, it, he is just so fascinating and it was, we did some really cool collaborations together. I want to do more with him.
3: Have you, had you so. scored before?
2: I I have scored, I scored a dance film, (laughs) which is kind of, I know it sounds kind of funny, but my friends did this amazing dance film, but the thing was there was no music, Mm -hmm. and so it was up to me to interpret the film, and I put a lot of work into it, and it was like a five-minute film, which doesn't sound like a lot until you're writing the music, Mm. so I learned a lot doing that, and so I knew I was capable of doing it, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't done a lot of score stuff, but you know, I've watched my dad score since I was a kid.
3: What did your dad score?
2: He, he was scoring those films about birds of prey oh right 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 that's back when uh-huh. it was actually film and he was like playing along writing stuff and mm-hmm. he scored you know actually used to do a lot of commercials and stuff like jingles and stuff which is different but it's mm-hmm. it's in the same vein in a sure. way you know you're trying to you're trying to decide on an emotion and mm-hmm. so this was really great for me it, it it was fun it was really fun and it was a great way to be involved and you know, I'm really grateful to my brother for asking me to do it too because it was the right fit. I mean, I've spent enough time with Crosby. I know his tunings. I know his world. And it was just, it, it felt good. It well, felt right.
3: grateful to your brother, and I'm sure your br- your brother is grateful to you. Yeah. He made that introduction. For so sure. Yeah, that was, worked out well. It did.
2: It did. It was really great. So, yeah.
3: And so, how did you get David to play on your...
2: On my album? Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, he's he's always game mm. to do that. He's like, man, I want to sing on that, you know? And, uh, yeah, we'll do. I think we'll probably do more. You know, we've been talking about writing some more stuff, too, and we have to because, you know, it's just he's been, he's had a lot of a lot of interest in what he's doing. One of these guys from Snarky Puppy produced one of his albums called mm-hmm. Lighthouse, which mm-hmm. is really a great album. Mm-hmm. And so he, he really has jumped into a lot. And, I, I mean, it's really cool, I have to say. The thing that I admire about him is that you look at a lot of artists – are in their 60s, let's say, or just even their 50s, I mean, they've had a career, Mm -hmm. they don't really have that much to say anymore, Mm -hmm. and or, and or. That's so sad. Well, or, I mean, (laughs) success has its own thing where it's like, okay, you're really successful, so now what do you want to say to people, you Mm -hmm. know? And I I totally get that, and you know, it's it's a good problem to have, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But the point is, he has pushed himself so hard to do something totally new and totally progressive. And, I mean, he's he's got killer bands. He's working with great young Jeff people. Jeff
3: I love you. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, he's just working with, he's he's pushed himself. And that is really admirable. And he's really? 78. That's Huge. unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's it's crazy. Can so. you
3: tell us anything about, I mean, I know the documentary's going to tell us a lot. But yeah. can you tell us anything, I mean... I read all the time that he's burned all his bridges. Uh-huh. Um, can you give us the cliff notes of that?
2: Why? Or just how? or
3: Yeah. What is that?
2: Well, I...
3: I, I imagine it was the drugs for a long time.
2: Yeah, I think there's some cumulative things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like 40 years of playing together and I think you're bound to be on each other's nerves in general, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, you pile that up with just doing really mean shit to each other, and he, Mm -hmm. you know, he admits that everybody did that to each other, Mm -hmm. all of them, and he just said, you know, him more than anyone else, I mean, that's in the film, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's that, Mm -hmm. and there's just things that it's really hard to get over that stuff, you know, and so I think... Does he have
3: regret, do you think?
2: um, Yeah, He Mm -hmm. he says he has regret about all the time that he spent being smashed, so...
3: Is he? Um, uh, I know he's sober. Is he? Mm-hmm. Um, does he follow a program of recovery at all?
2: I know he was following mm-hmm. the program, mm-hmm. but I think that I think that his health has become his program mm-hmm. because you know he's got diabetes and he's got to maintain a regimen, so he can't go. He can't, is, can't do that.
3: Is there? Um, uh, has he made a? Am- do you know? Does he? Does mm-hmm. he? Would he like to?
2: Make amends, mm-hmm. make um, things
3: right, get back in graces.
2: And... I I think it, it's a good question, mm-hmm. and and the answer is I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. You know, I I just I know that I know all of those guys are stubborn, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I know that you know, and I also know just human human beings are. It's hard to let things go sometimes, you
3: mm-hmm. know. So that's a lot of water under the bridge, though. Yeah, a lot but you of know,
2: but the, the it's like. All, all of them could probably, you know, the phone rings in, in every different direction too. Yes. But you know, yeah, somebody's got to take the torch up and just, just swallow their pride and try to do it. But I don't know who it's going to be. I, so. I,
3: my gut I says that one day we're going to see them together again. I just can't imagine that we won. I mean, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Could get he to see says.
2: Them again. He says, and they all say that yeah. if they were, they would like to bond over what's happening politically. And he's like, if we could do something, like we could get together and do like bring out the votes thing. So you know, maybe who knows? Ooh. That'd be cool. But you know, it's that it's again, it's it's interesting because I've dipped my toes into that world. Mm. I probably know too much about it now. But you know, mm-hmm. the thing is, I want to you know keep doing my thing and stay positive and and not have any of those situations. Basically, wouldn't that yeah, be good? In my life. Although
3: you had a little one with your drummer from the pad, right? You said you had a little baby oh, yeah. version oh, yeah. of that. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I've mm-hmm. had it. I've mm-hmm. had it.
2: With yeah, for sure. But that's music.
3: So um, it's life it's is life. what it is, I it's think. Yep. So so, there's Italy in your in yeah. your life and, and in your yeah. solo. So how did Italy happen for you?
2: Italy happened, I first went over there with this guy, Roy McAllister, mm-hmm. who made this guitar. And I'm, you know, forever. Why? Uh, he was part of a thing called the Acoustic Guitar Meeting. And it mm-hmm. happens in Sarzana, Sarzana, Italy. Beautiful that? place. It is beautiful essentially it's north of pisa mm-hmm. basically on the it, coast there um, close to the coast mm-hmm. by la spezia mhm close to cinque terre and uh, it's a wonderful place but the thing was it happens in a castle okay. that was owned or it was like a vacation home of the medici family so this castle i i didn't know this you know he just said he just said you're going to love it there i said okay I'm like, yeah, I'm half Italian, I should go, you know, and I knew that I had family what, there.
3: Where, where's your family from?
2: Well, interestingly enough, they're from like 20 minutes away. Oh, come on. To- Torre del Lago, which is really close, really wow. close. So, and what... your if,
3: family, you still have family there? Yeah,
2: my cousins. I met them for the first time. Wow. You know, and it was one of the best experiences. You look about
3: as Italian as, uh... Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like one of the best experiences ever meeting those guys for the first time, and wow. now we're, now we're really close, I love those mm. guys, but what happened was uh, we go there and it was a it's a performance but then there's all these rooms full of luthiers people that make guitars and it's like the only place in the world that this would happen and it's revered you know wow because people look at guitar makers and they're like oh my god that person's amazing you Mm -hmm. know one of the only places that really appreciates it Uh so that happened and I I just completely fell in love with Italy I went to Florence and I was just like oh my god yeah there's nothing like Florence no and I just was like I, I belong here that's the, I think it's the first place I've ever been that I was like I really actually belong here you know it's an interesting feeling so that's another so,
3: thing that you probably have been there before yeah yeah
2: so I anyway so I just went back the next year played the acoustic guitar meeting again it was amazing because it's in this castle and I played the courtyard and,
3: what's a castle like?
2: oh it's like it's beautiful I just have to show it to you it's called oh. the Forteza for fede. and it's like you walk in and there's a moat Oh. There's a moat area and you walk go. in yeah, you walk in over this bridge and you go in and you know, they have they have seats for about five hundred or six hundred people and we played in this courtyard. I played out there, then the next year I took my friend Kitsch and man it was just a blast. Was,
3: what kind of people are you playing for? Uh, lo- local makers.
2: local people, uh-huh. Uh-huh. people that are into guitars, people mm-hmm. that have traveled there from all over Europe to see these these amazing instruments and, and know about this thing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it's like kind of course it's kind of a select group Mm -hmm. doesn't matter they love music Mm -hmm. they love it so it was incredible so went back the next year and then I met another guy named Francesco that that has a little label there and he he asked me if I wanted to release this album in Italy and I was like hell yeah dude that's all I want to do you know so he put out versions of the truth this was like let's see how many years ago is this now maybe five years ago He's like, yeah, we want to put this out, and he booked me this beautiful little fall tour that was three weeks, and it was a big jump. It was like me over there solo,
3: by myself,
2: riding trains, and I just... And how
3: are the audiences for you in Italy? Oh,
2: amazing. They're just amazing. I love... I mean, they're just wonderful people. Do you speak any Italian? I do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I speak Italian. I mean, I'm, I'm getting better, but it's still work, but... I, I can communicate,
3: and so it doesn't matter that the music is in English because music is music. And yeah, they just it, it kind
2: it kind of does, it, mm. and it and regionally it depends too. Mm. You know, if you're in Milan or Rome, it's a little bit different than mm. going to some of the smaller places. You know, where maybe the comprehension is not going to be as as high, but you know, it translates still. Mm-hmm. The, the emotion translates, so mm-hmm. that's what matters. So
3: especially. let's talk about you as an artist. Oh. <laughs> as another kind of artist. Oh man, T- tell about get this. get really embarrassed now.
2: Um, this is uh, you a shot? Uh, that is something I've been working on for a while I really, have to, I really have to crack down on myself and finish it but this is a painting that I'm working on in Venice it's the photo that I took there about three years ago and then I was back there about two weeks ago now or a week and a half ago and I, I found this same spot and took a new picture of it but I love to paint I've been painting since I was a kid this is all acrylic so it's coming together I love the reflections in the water. So it's fantastic. And, well, what is, uh,
3: this, is, this is really... Oh, yeah. yeah very,
2: that's that's a reflection of... There's a there's actually a planter up here. You can't uh-huh. see it yet because it's not there. But there's a planter up here, and it's reflecting that. It looks like uh-huh. a little face. It does look
3: like a face. I mean, I may
2: have to take it out of there if it's too distracting. Well, see well it. it's mm-hmm. where
3: my eye goes. Yeah. I totally am drawn to it every time <laughs> I look at the picture that of the like, painting. It
2: looks like a little face. But it does look like a little it's face. In, it's in the... Picture. It is there. But anyway, yeah.
3: So, oh, look how much love your art's getting. Your art's getting all kinds of. So, Pete, does anybody have a question?
0: We have quite a few questions. Um, Hang on, I'm just editing right now as we get them in. So, Deslyn Ross, who is from Cleveland. He is uh, 18. Okay. Seems to be connected with every rocker knows everything at 18 years oh, old. Oh, sweet. So he wrote, I just joined, who is he talking about? And Paul said David Crosby. And uh-huh. Deslin said, that's funny. I guessed that when he said drugs in oh, 78. <laughs> so yes. Desmond would like to know, uh, what uh-huh. advice do you have for a young guitarist?
2: Um, young guitarist. Man, you know, the thing is, like, I. this is my... Thing when, when I grew up it was like you had to find a resource meaning that you know if you saw somebody do something you have one chance to figure out what they're doing you either watch them or you walk up to them hi I'm Marcus how did you do that can you hmm. show me that now it's like everybody's on YouTube mm-hmm. everybody so people are able to learn things that are they I mean this is like the veil has been lifted off of everything there's no secrets anymore you know mm-hmm. If you want to learn, I could type up anything. You can name me any guitarist. I could find their technique right here. Wow. Now, so you, I mean, really, the, the the sky's the limit. If you have something that you like, you can find it anywhere. Hmm. However, however, I would say that the more that you can connect with people in the real world mm. that are doing something you like, the better. Mm. If you have somebody that you like, go go connect with them. Don't, don't sc- I mean, yeah, okay, you can be a great guitarist, but, you know, you learn stuff by sitting with people, Mm -hmm. you know, I, the thing that I have kind of a pet peeve about right now is there's a lot of really good musicians that are just completely like, you know, they're in their bedrooms and you're just going like, dude, you have no social skills. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to talk to people. You don't know how to entertain people. Mm
1: -hmm. You
2: can't hold a conversation. Why do I want to play with you? Mm -hmm. Because this is a conversation that we're having. So, you know, like it's not just all about like being, becoming so skilled that, you know that you can't talk with anybody like this is a this is a communication device that's that's what this is I'm translating emotion through music so I love that yeah so if you can connect with people go online learn all sorts of shit but you know connect with people and just keep playing and do what you love that's the other thing
3: Sandra, Sandra D. Come on, you're not Sandra. Look at me. She, uh, she thought this was a photograph.
0: Oh, that's which is pretty fabulous. Yeah, Yeah. Um, that's super. More Pete? Yeah, uh, Polly Russ would like to know if you know how the spin doctors got their name.
2: No, oh, spin doctors was that's a that's a name from uh, used to be somebody that used to spin the news or something. I can. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were spin but doctors, right? This, uh-huh. Yeah, I think it. There was. There is some. Someone called the spin doctor that used to. I can't remember what it was. It was like somebody that took. Oh,
3: some one person, like a specific one.
2: We have to look it up.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. Some quick comments. Yeah. Uh, is his dad single? No.
3: Crystal, stop. <laughs>
0: He's not single. Ken uh, said, uh, "Sexy Vicky Abelson." Oh yeah. dear. Uh, Robert uh, Grokoff, can you play one of? Cat Stevens songs on that great guitar.
2: Oh, you know, I don't know any Cat Stevens stuff.
3: We want him to play Marcus Eaton. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. The guitar really can do anything that you, wherever you put your fingers, that's, that's the question. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, Paul uh, Lawson says, oh my god, I feel like I'm in high school with no one to dance with.
3: Oh, I don't know if that sounds like a sad comment. Hey, Pete, um, yeah. while we're talking to you, Pete, yeah. tell us what's up in Pete's world. I know you're leaving me next week. Crystal's going to come sit in on on. Yeah, I'm leaving you
0: next it. week for a show, but I have, uh, yeah, I got some stuff coming up too in November. The Grand Hotel in Vegas, they've asked oh, me to come that's back. Oh, awesome. Nice. And then uh, a couple corporate shows in December in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you're leaving
3: um, me for a really long time in December.
0: I know, and an awesome awesome comedy club. Five shows in Erie. It's one of the best in oh, the country. Nice. They pack it in the best audiences and of course they want to buy tons of merchandise and great laughers. So. Right. Do
3: you have merchandise? Do you do the merch thing?
2: Um, I will have more soon. I mean, I actually, right behind you, let me show you something. If you can reach back behind you, see that big vinyl there? I'll give you a sneak peek. This? Yep, right there. Yeah,
0: I noticed this before. This is awesome. This is, okay. I love vinyls <laughs> no, no so
2: much. No one's seen this yet. So Ooh. this is a... This is a this is my second time showing this show show there okay yes yeah. yeah this is my new album it's wow. called it's called what is it called it's called invisible lines
3: oh no wait a minute it's, it opens yeah. oh come I'll on stop let's this see this
2: is a full 12 inch vinyl oh this my a, there you go oh, oh that's very cool yeah. so it's got all the lyrics
3: oh I haven't seen anything like that in a really long yeah. time so show show that's the other that. side. This is
2: the, this, these are the six, six songs on the back. Very cool. Wow. And, of course, you know, the best part is that you got the, the vinyl in here. I, um, I need to
3: roll a joint now. Yeah. I haven't rolled a joint in 20 oh, years, yeah. but I need to roll a yeah. joint. <laughs> on this album, man. This is so
2: cool because this is an anti-static <laughs> sleeve. Oh, and it. three songs on the back and three songs on side A, three songs on side B. And but this is really cool how this happened. Yeah. This is a company called Crosley they make turntables. Mm. So I'm going to give them a shout out, Crosley. These guys make turntables and they have a, a thing where they're helping independent artists get vinyl. So they they put up the the money to help me print these. Wow. So which is really cool. So they're like next smoking could yeah. depression. So I them. so I can you know, I have to, I have to get them back. Um, But they're not, you know, they're not like a label. They're not Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to take a percentage. I just, you know, so these guys are so cool for helping me do this. That's so wonderful. And this is a wonderful package. I mean, this is, so this is going up for pre-order, like, really soon, as soon as I can get the video up. And you'll be able to pre-order this. How soon, do you think? uh, Within three or four weeks.
3: So around the time that you're doing Living Right, people may be able to do that. Probably,
2: right, you know, maybe at the beginning of November. But I'm really Mm -hmm. proud of this because... The other thing is the quality's really high. It's a 45 it's RPM album, so the quality's even higher than you know your normal 33. It's beautiful. It's, it's we'll really just this great. Back here while yeah. So and the, the photographer is amazing. So I mean, you know. Who's the photographer? Um, guy that lives here in L.A. named Andrew McPherson. He's done a lot of. Probably can tell he's a very high fashion photographer. I see that. But this is really cool. Invisible lines mm-hmm. and there's this. He put this in shadow here. Mm. he's conceptual. I like that. Really cool. Really
3: cool. Any more questions, Pete?
2: Yeah, who are your favorite guitarists? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a guy, well, Paco de Lucia, you know, he's a flamenco guy. You know, the guy's like, (laughs) Uh, or, you know, different on a still string, but I love that stuff. Love so are
3: you, are you self-taught for that stuff? Did you? Yeah,
2: yeah. I just, I'm really into different styles and I've just tried to learn as much as I can, you know. Paco de Lucia, the guy named Billy McLaughlin mm-hmm. that came through my small town of Pocatello when I was younger and he's kind of like a protege of Michael Hedges, mm-hmm. which is another reason Crosby and I get along, but like all this finger-tapping stuff. Like Two-handed tapping stuff, you know? Very cool. So yeah. I, I love that stuff. I love Hendrix. I love... I, there's so many guys right now. That's the thing. There's so many. There's a guy named Eric Gales that plays blues that is just like, oh my God, he's so badass, you know? And there's, um, you know, there's like all the Gary Clark Jr., stuff is really good and Derek Trucks those are blues guys mm-hmm. you know I mean that's just one There's, there's of what you yeah, do well there's I mean there's just so many people to be into you know and so many but I, I kind of look for somebody doing their own thing and actually what are you
3: listening to now
2: I listen uh, let's see what's, what's new that I really like um, I, I of course I really love jazz stuff you know I really love like Brad Meldow and I love Pat Metheny you know Brad Meldow is an amazing pianist I really love Bill Lawrence He's the guy that I did the score with. He has some incredible music. Snarky Puppy, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but like singer-songwriter-wise, I'm really into... Uh, there's this girl that I've been listening to that is a country singer. Uh, hang on one second. Slow burn. Casey Musgraves. Mm. She's badass. She's country, you mm-hmm. know? But... She's not really country, but she it is. It doesn't
3: matter what genre it is if it's good. No, right? it's really
2: good. And uh, and then I also, I've been listening to, there's a guy in the UK that I've been listening to for a long time named Fink. F-I-N-K. He mm-hmm. is so badass. Mm-hmm. I love his music. And he's actually on tour in the US right now, so.
3: Do you like Ed Sheeran? Because there's definitely Ed an Ed, There's <clears throat> yeah. a, a very Ed Sheeran. No, I love s- him. Similar I mean, name? actually,
2: it's funny, because I've been looping for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So when I saw him come out, you know, I started crying. I was like that's what I'm doing. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but uh, no, I love I love Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, you know, I'd love to work with him. I'd love to do some stuff. That,
3: that sounds to me like it's meant to be. It would like, be so gotta, fun y- if he ever heard you. I think he'd want to meet. Oh, you. Oh, I, d- I just think it would be a blast. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'd
2: have a lot of fun. I mean, he's he's a really great writer, and he's doing something that's definitely more. I'm just going to say more commercial, you know. He's very commercial. Um, and that's great. Mm-hmm. I, I love what he does. I mean, I, my thing is I'm just, I'm developing my own style, and I have been for a long time, and so I, I just... Find How would you
3: describe yourself as a singer-songwriter? <laughs> so,
2: this is funny. Somebody, I, I just call it, I call it progressive singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. but my friend told me, you're the Keith Jarrett of Ed Sheeran's. <laughs> does that <laughs> make sense? You're like the Keith Jarrett of Ed Sheeran's.
3: Of insurance.
2: Yeah. I like it. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it's funny. So.
0: More, Pete? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Crystal says, fantastic show. I think I need a cigarette. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> she, I see.
3: Crystal, you're giving us a lot
0: of information. <laughs> and, uh, Deslin Ross again, he would uh, like to know With Tom Petty, uh, yeah, Tom Petty uh, I love Tom time.
2: Petty, I mean I listened to him when I was younger, I, I didn't really, you know I haven't really studied that, I mean there are things that are kind of, uh, there's music that's just kind of, what would you call it, I mean that's just sort of everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, um, there's a word that I'm looking for, I just can't access it right now, but it's there's music that's just everywhere, and you enjoy it, but you don't, sometimes you don't stop to, to think, you don't stop mm-hmm. to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to love like. Let's see. What's... <laughs> yeah, Running Down a Dream. Running down a dream. Oh, yeah, Steve. He's yes. badass. Uh, anyway, so, you know, I love, I love that stuff, but I didn't really... I was always pushing myself to challenge myself in a guitar it scene shows. because I just, there's stuff that I, like, you know, I watched my dad play and I watched a lot of people when I was younger and everybody's doing that.
3: <laughs> That's how I played.
2: And There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But I just, it just didn't appeal to me. You, have,
3: was, to sh- you have to do, please. A moment of the strumming. All
2: right, how did you meet Jeff Young? Oh, Jeff. Jeff was at a show Jeff. at Room Five, mm-hmm. and uh, he was playing after me, and I played, and he was just. He, Jeff is so cool because again, he's one of those guys that's totally open-minded, and he watched my set and was like, "That's really cool." I really like Jeff by
3: the way has played uh, keyboard for Jackson Brown for 20 something years and has mm-hmm. a fantastic solo album out now oh, and yeah. is an incredible artist in his own well right? he's played for everybody he's I mean, he played with Sting He played, played with Sting Tracy Chapman mm-hmm. Alanis
2: Morissette yeah he's played with them. I mean he's Donald but, Fag- Donald Fagan mm-hmm.
3: so, but yeah. you know Jackson I mean yeah. for somebody to keep a gig like that mm-hmm. for that many years you've got mm-hmm. to be the shit
2: because yeah, those he, people and he is, he is yeah you know, so, he you can guys bring did, it. Ha, yeah. How did you guys meet? No, so he just saw me play at room five, mm-hmm. and then I watched him play, and I was like, dude, this guy's awesome. He kind of reminds me of my dad you know, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, because my dad plays like that. He's mm-hmm. really influenced by Ray Charles, uh-huh. my dad. So, I have that influence. So, I went, and Jeff said, come down to my studio, and he, you know, I played something that he really liked, and he's like, dude, I want to maybe have you on my album. And I said, okay. So I I came back and played something and then we've kind of been friends ever since and then and then subsequently he's like, "Hey man, you know, I'm going over to Germany for this tour." And he's like, "I really need somebody that can play guitar and sing." And he's like, "But I know that you have your own thing going on." And I said, "Well, I'd really love to do that." I mean, I I'm always down to just try something and have mm-hmm. an adventure. And he said, "Well, um I'll tell you what, you know, I if you want, you can open open the show solo." So I was like, "Totally." So we did like we did 18 gigs in 21 days, nice. all over Germany. It's, we just had a blast. We had a German bassist and a German drummer, and oh. I love they're they're my pals, and it was mm-hmm. badass. So you know we spent a lot of time together.
3: Scorpions oh. on a stick. Oh right? yeah, yeah. That's it's a right. crazy ass song. I wanted yeah. Jeff to play it when he did Women Who Write, but he couldn't do it without a band. Oh yeah. But well, what a great song that is.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, that's he's he's very prolific. That was that was after. I was playing with him, which mm-hmm. wasn't that long. I'm just saying, he's writing all the time. So wow. Cool.
3: So can you do a little bit of the strumming you did that, that, that Oh, night? this that thing. That was crazy.
2: We were playing a uh, fortune teller. It was like...
3: Did it for a really long time, and I don't know. I I can't imagine what, how you build that muscle that allows you to do that for so long. That's
2: what all the girls say. Yeah. No, I I don't know. I don't know. I have just I've always really liked that the, the reggae thing, and it's like a it's like an extension. and like some early Sting albums. There was an album actually the one that Fragile was on, nothing mm-hmm. like the Sun that, do, do, that's do, my favorite do, 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 Sting album. Do, 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 that's mm-hmm. off of uh what is the name of that song? History Will Teach Us mm-hmm. Nothing. You know History <sighs> Yeah Teaches Nothing, you know, so some <clears> of those <throat> rhythms, they've been following me around for a long time. But are, are you a oh, fan well. of
0: Tommy Emanuel?
2: Yeah. I, I do I do love Tommy Emmanuel. I and mean, he's he's wicked, man. He's yeah. so good. And uh I've gotten to I mean, I've, I've hung out with him twice. Once was in Italy, and another time was here at the Grammy Museum, and it's really cool. I mean, I really respect what he does. I'm not interested in doing what he does, which is another reason I respect it because that's all Chet Atkins stuff. And mm-hmm. I love that. I love what he's doing, but it's its own style. <clears throat> and as I've traveled around a lot, of, and especially in Italy, there's a lot of people doing that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people doing like the Travis picking. stuff's super cool but it's not something that I'm really that interested in doing Mm -hmm. myself but the thing that I am interested in that he does he just does these badass harmonics Yeah, I don't know if you've seen him do that yeah it's it's very cool he's got a really cool style but you know the thing is like this is an interesting thing like I've really had to work to take an idea on Mm -hmm. guitar something that's maybe complex put it into a song format and make it like make it so that it's challenging and interesting to me but then also make it simple enough so people can listen to it yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the challenge and I think that like you can go crazy on the guitar and and you can just lose your whole audience you know but I'm really interested in making songs that that really touch people here.
3: I was going to say that it's it's about the emotion. that is. It doesn't matter what style you're playing, yeah. it, it's all what's coming out yeah. from inside, which you yeah. promote a lot of emotion well, in thank everything you. that you
2: play. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, it's all about that. It's all about this. Well, you know, as younger, you don't really, you're kind of, you're experimenting and maybe you kind of, maybe you just naturally hit people in mm-hmm. a certain way or maybe they look at you and they go wow that's really deep and i love that and i have one song i'll i'll play it at the very end it's called fiona it's mm-hmm. always been the most consistent like basically the key to people's hearts mm-hmm. is that song always it's always been and i know why because it's it's just written from a really heartfelt point of view and it's just it, it makes sense to me but that's followed me my whole career now which is really interesting and so having those moments where you really connect with people is much more special than being like, look at this riff I can do. This is fucking badass, you know? And it's just, that's fun. It's fun to do that. It's fun to show people There's you can play. Those
3: guitars do absolutely nothing for me. Well, it's, I don't care what it's you It's cool do every once
2: it. in a while. But but I hear you. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's you're, boring. You're playing, well, if it's happening the whole time. But if you're playing and people don't know you can do that, and mm-hmm. you throw it in there, it's like holy well, shit! Well, that yeah, and that's them. something. Good. Yes, that's but, something else. yeah, but if you're like if you're doing it, the but whole if, that's, time, if that's all your your deal it is, is yeah, you know, it's just like there okay. are some very famous <clears throat> guitarists
3: that that's all yeah. they are about. the Yeah, is it's the upper like, how oh, You can
2: play fast, mm-hmm. and, I mean that's cool, and you know I admire those guys because mm-hmm. they had to develop that skill. But I want something that's going to touch me here. I mm-hmm. want songs and things that are going to touch me here. So. It's funny, because my tastes are continually changing. Who know?
3: who touches you as a singer-songwriter?
2: Um, I mean, my dad always has had stuff that's touched me, so that's really cool. Uh, that sounds terrible. Who doesn't? No, no, I mean, oh. <laughs> the way, the way no. that I said it. My, my dad has had stuff that's always, no, no, no. but his, his music I mean, is always, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but his music has always been really influential. But you know Crosby has some stuff that's mm. really that's really touched me. A few in particular that I
3: like. What?
2: Oh, he has a song called "At the Edge,"
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that's that's a very deep song. Of course, there's Sting. You know, because he's I mean he's Ugh. that guy's been writing great shit for so long. It's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. You know, actually. Uh, and then there's this Fink guy that I told you about. That's amazing. Um, <clears throat> and there's so many more there's so many more but okay, so when that's... I start naming them then I start blanking out because I, then I get yeah, of up, course. thinking about oh that one song but there's a band called Mute Math that oh, I yeah, listen I to them. oh my god like they it. write some killer songs yep. Yep. one of the best one of my favorite bands of yep. all time Me too. killer
3: so now if if you had if you could write your story yeah what's left to your what what's something
2: makes a billion dollars dot 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 the, the money yes no. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been talking about the, the money I'm is kidding. very important it's I'm very kidding.
3: important though I'm it, it is an important part but other than the money like it creatively artistically or or mm-hmm. financial What what is like what's
2: more what's left you know,
3: like what's something that is like is there something you're working
4: towards
3: is oh yeah it? oh yeah okay
2: I mean one thing is that I I'm still I'm still looking for the thing you know mm-hmm. I mean I'm it's like, I can look and see these things that I've done, but that's not where I'm at now. Where I'm at now is that I want to play for more people. I want to play for a lot more people. I want my music to reach more people. When this album comes out, I want it to really, you know, hit the airwaves. I want people to hear it. And uh, it's special, and it's something that I think they need to hear. You know, the album is it's invisible lines, but it's it's kind of a political piece in a way, but it's not overtly that way. But it's just about connecting with people and how... Technology erased all of the geographic boundaries that we have now. So, you know, it used to be like the government could say, oh, we're going to go bomb Afghanistan because nobody knows anybody in mm-hmm. Afghanistan. <laughs> they don't know anything about it, you know? Oh, that's so sad. But I'm just saying now, mm-hmm. now that's different because mm-hmm. we do have connections. There. We're all mm-hmm. connected.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that's a great thing. The
3: second something happens, somebody's got it on an iPhone and it's that's exactly all right. over the
2: world. And so, so, in a way, I mean part of that, you know, I don't like the invasion of privacy, but what I'm saying is these geographic boundaries and and this was this was actually written around the time of uh, Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. So Standing Rock was happening and they saw that and was just like this is incredible. You know, you have the Native Americans who are completely justified and are totally in the right fighting against the government. I mean, it was like it was the, like the um, the small version of what's going on in a bigger scale, you know what I mean? It's like these people, they're totally right. They're mm-hmm. totally right. Mm-hmm. They, no one should be screwing with them at all. It's mm-hmm. their land, mm-hmm. and it's the progress, you know? It's like, oh, no, we're going to go drill for oil, mm-hmm. and we don't care about you, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was the, that was the inspiration the Davis, for mm-hmm. this song, for Invisible Lines. And Anyway, so I'm just saying, like, I, I have these... I, I want people to hear what I'm saying. I want to play for more people. I want to have a team around me so that I can actually get that out, which I don't have. I'd like to have a manager again, mm-hmm. somebody really positive and, and somebody that you know communicates with people well mm-hmm. and uh, you know and now I want to get all over the world and play for people, you know so that's what I'm working for
3: so what what is there a plan in place for when the album drops?
2: Not really. I mean there there's some plans. Mm-hmm. I mean one thing is, you know, nowadays people are releasing things one at a time. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're doing that is because Spotify is so important. Mm-hmm we don't want to admit how important it is but you don't make
3: money from Spotify
2: no but you you th- get exposure but from the Spotify. thing is you, you get on playlists mm-hmm. and if you release songs one at a time you have more opportunities to get on playlists mm-hmm. that's where we're at in the music industry interesting and nobody can do that for you mm-hmm. I mean yes there are some labels that can do some things for you mm-hmm. and I'm told I'd love there's a couple labels that I think would be perfect for this stuff but they're not paying attention because Maybe, I, who are they? Uh, one of them I'd really like to work with is ATO you know that's Mm -hmm. Dave Mm Matthews' label and they're really they've been releasing really interesting stuff for a long Mm -hmm. time but you know most of these labels are looking for people that already are just Mm -hmm. so successful that Mm -hmm. it's like they can't they don't have to do work they can't deny it they don't Mm -hmm. have to do any work Mm -hmm. so you know it's a little frustrating Mm -hmm. because fame becomes the tool that tells people whether you're successful or not and that's not how it is Mm -hmm. I'm sorry but I know so many people that are so badass and they're mm-hmm. never going to be famous mm-hmm. because they don't have the team or they don't have the that thing that's going to push them over the top. Do they deserve mm-hmm. it? Hell, yeah, of course mm-hmm. they do, but you know there's just there's a lot of like real interesting situations that happen, and then there's people that rally around stuff that sucks, mm-hmm. and you're going like, somebody believed in that, you know, and it's like, how did that happen mm-hmm. but that's the world you know that's the world we're in so. Anyway, so I have a lot of goals that I'm working towards. But this thing with the Peregrine Fund, I'm really proud of. Next thing, I'm working with a company. I could show you this other guitar that I have, but it's called Guadagnetti. I, I should just show it to you. Okay. Can you, actually, can you grab it? It's on the just right on the bed in there. Yep. We're in my apartment, so this there, is, yeah, I can just do what I want.
3: Yeah, we're on location in yeah. Marcus's home. and, yeah. and
2: uh, We're having a good time. So this is the next... I'm going to um, grab that one or Oh no that's, okay. Thank you.: because okay. he's going to play this that is, one This is go on. actually uh, this is a guitar Thank you man. This is a guitar from a company that well, I say company, but it's a couple of friends of mine in Italy. It's called Guarnieri, Guarnieri Guitar. Mm-hmm. and they made this is like thank a couple this, this kid is 32. And his his wife is like twenty seven. Wow, Alessio and Marta, mm-hmm. and they made this guitar. And it's this beautiful. thing is affecting. like one of the best oh, wow. guitars. yeah, it's got a sound port inside. Wow. but this is one of the best guitars I've ever played. And they're so we're working on a guitar together. So they're nice. doing we're we're doing a model that's kind of like it's a wish list of things that I've had for a long time. And you know th- this guitar is spectacular. So it's not like. I'm not cheating on you, baby. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just... <laughs> Although that one was in your bed, so... Yeah, well, that's true. No, no, so what's happening is, you know, it's just, it's like, th- there's never going to be one guitar that's going to fulfill all of the things that you hey. want it to do. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to try things. And so anyway, I've been talking with these guys, they're friends of mine. Unlike the,
3: the woman that's in the bed, there's... Well, that's yeah, for right. story.
2: So anyway, it's really cool because we're working on this beautiful guitar together. It's not this one. This is mm-hmm. just one that I happen to have here right now. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is actually for sale. This is loan mm-hmm. to me. But anyway, these guys are incredible makers, and I I feel like super lucky because I mean just when I wake up and think about all the good fortune I've had, I call it guitarma. You know, my guitar <laughs> karma. I wake up and I'm like, oh my God. Because, you See, know, You these... I notice
3: this one has the cutaway and this one doesn't. Like, yeah. you get in there. So oh, yeah. for you, I'm, I'm imagining... I need a that, cutaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the
2: one we're making together is a cutaway. Mm-hmm. It's got the sound port. Mm-hmm. But we're doing something really interesting with the pickup system. I can't tell you what it is yet, Okay. But but it's going to be pretty revolutionary if it works the way we want it to. Nice. And it'll just create a new a new thing for acoustic guitarists you know something that we've all been looking for for a long time that we don't have you know so, so maybe you're going to end up yeah it'll be like doing an, stuff edit. like that sure being absolutely. an innovator why not I mean that's what that's what I'm here for so gotta do cool shit Make so stuff.
3: let's uh, so I- unless there's another pressing question let's have
2: uh, yeah do you have any upcoming dates um there is a possibility and I can't say this for sure yet but uh, there there's some Tim Reynolds dates coming up in southern california and there's a potential for me to be on a couple of these. I don't know which ones yet, so I'll let you know if that happens. If those don't happen, I'm going to book something anyway so that, you know, so I can get some people out there. I'll do something. Well,
3: Marcus will be playing in my living room on October 29th on Tuesday. Pete go. will be there. I will be there. <laughs> Crystal will no doubt be there. <laughs> and that's um, on October Tuesday, October 29th. Um, we uh, open the doors at 11 a.m. We'll be live on the Facebook, too. So you can watch them out there. But if you are in, in Los Angeles, I suggest you get your ass to my living room and yeah. see us live. Yeah, that would um, be great. And uh, will you have other CDs to sell there?
2: yeah i've got versions of the truth and i think i have some uh my other album called "As if you had wings it was the one before that and uh that's a cool album too that's a that's a pretty rock album it's it's cool i did a, a band or an album with a three-piece band an amazing drummer that lives here named kevin rogers and mm-hmm. he was like yeah he's he's a really incredible drummer so the album is it's it's in percussion's
3: a way. an important part of you well it is mm-hmm. this one was like
2: it's big it's mm-hmm. like a big rock album but the nice. songs are really cool and mm-hmm. it's it's intense so mm-hmm. I'll bring some of those with me too excellent yeah, yeah. so
3: uh, Pete thank you so much for we're gonna I'm um, uh, gonna take us out yeah. song thank you so much for doing this Pete absolutely and um, for those of you out there Tony Bronigal a fantastic drummer is gonna be with us next week um Laney was, Kazan's been under the weather, but as soon as she's feeling better, I'm going to go to Connie Stevens' house and, and talk to Laney. James Gatson, who was supposed to be here tonight, thank you oh, for yeah. stepping up. James Gatson, unbelievable awesome. drummer. His, his sister passed yeah. away, and so he went oh, back home no. to, uh, to pay respects and do that. Um, there's a Terrence Blanchard, the composer of almost all of Spike Lee's films, and he's got oh, a new please. one out now, Harriet a film Harriet that just came out and Terrence is going to be with us uh, soon and um, Robert Wall um, Arliss is going to be with us on November 6th. We have some great stuff coming up. Also on October 29th Allie Willis who wrote um September, yeah. with Earth, Wind and & Fire, and she wrote oh The Deep Song to Friends, I'll Be There With You, and she's written uh, Boogie Wonderland, she's she's going to be there on um, October 29th, yeah. Jody Siegel, and, um, do you know Jody? No. Unbelievable singer-songwriter who's worked with Steve Postel, Steve Postel just produced wow. her new album, she's going to be there oh. on the 29th, um, and um, I'm holding my breath waiting on Ray Parker Jr., I wrote him again oh, today, nice. it's, his son's getting married like the day before, so... He's making us wait. Also, Anson Williams, Happy Days, oh um, is going to be with us on October 29th So it's going to be wow. like a great. It's going to be a great day.
2: Terrence Blanchard is so badass. He, he is unbelievable. I just saw him speak at BMI. Did you? Yeah, it was amazing. You know?
3: I saw him at a, a screening. What was so, the Spike Lee? So um, what was the Spike Lee film that I saw six times, Pete? That I took you to. That oh, we went to twice.
2: Um, the uh, one
0: that
3: it was that he Black just Lansman. won. Black Klansman. Did you see Black Klansman?
2: No, not yet. Oh, um,
3: and and Terrence's score for Black (laughs) Klansman is uh, very rarely when I watch a film am I aware of the music. Yeah. I was always aware of the music, in a good way, though, in the best way. His music is haunting, he's, he's amazing. He's incredible. So anyway, it's going to be uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Yep.
0: Yeah, Is Elliot Easton still going um So,
3: so Elliot e- Elliot had uh, um a little health thing too okay. uh, a few weeks ago, but Elliot said that, you know, he's um and you know, Rick Ocasek, "Oh my god, you yeah. know, that's like a whole crazy thing." Um but Elliot played. I used to run this club in the in uh, on Bleecker Street next to the Bitter End. And oh yeah. And Elliot came in a wow. couple times and played and he's amazing. He's yeah, great. Um, so I hope awesome. Elliot's gonna be with us. That's that's a big hope. Yeah. So, alright, so you're gonna take us out with what, Morris?
2: This is a song called Fiona. This is my this You're is gonna the play one it with this guitar. Yeah, I'll play it on this guitar. Okay. Another flavor. <laughs> so tell us about
3: this is on your new guitar. No, this is, on, this no, is, this on is your,
2: one of my oh, oldest.
3: Okay.
2: This is one of my oldest songs. Okay. On what? <laughs> Where can you get um, it? You can't get it right but you okay. can you can find it on youtube okay. this is a one version on youtube but i'm gonna do another version of this i promise but this is like this has followed me around for years so this mm-hmm. is called fiona it's a love song it's pretty self-explanatory but it's-
4: to
3: Thank you, guys. Um, thank you so, so much cool. for us. Thank, thank you. Thank so you. Awesome. I am in awe of, uh, of you. I am sitting here. Thanks for
2: having me. You guys are amazing. Blown, Thanks for watching, too, everybody.
3: Blown away. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. And um, I'm speechless. That doesn't happen. <laughs> see you soon. Thanks, guys.
2: See ya.